With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks so much for coming back for another day of Fluorescent Radio Live. Fifth time this week, next door to David Bray. I'm Mark Bader, and uh, we're going to continue what we've been doing, bringing some of the uh, biggest stars in the sport of wrestling in every capacity into your living room, kitchen, bathroom, wherever you're watching this from, um, to chat with them during these uh, unusual times with the wrestling community. David, how's uh, everything going with your life? Everything's good, man. It's a lot of... Talking with wrestling people and then uh, going home and <laughs> my family's waiting for me. And so how about you? Uh, pre- pretty much the same. I uh, <clears throat> I have picked all the weeds out of my uh, the flower bed in the front of my house and uh, caught up on some little chores like that that just yeah. stick around. I actually have one of those like uh, like push mowers, but it's oh, not. Yeah. It doesn't have a motor. It actually the things the blades the spin. Blades, yeah, I have a mo- one with a mower, but I've just been using the one with. It takes. Five times as long, and it's yeah. just I'm just trying to eat up some time, yeah, doing different things. So um, let's get right to it. Our first guest, um, well, does not really need any introduction. Rich Bender, executive director of USA Wrestling. Rich, um, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us today. How's everything in your world? Yeah, kind of upside down, but uh, thanks for the opportunity to chat. And uh, you, you said earlier the biggest star, so certainly this isn't one of them to, uh, right now, but. <laughs> I'm uh, certainly um, really, really grateful for the opportunity to chat with folks and, and really thankful for what you guys are doing in this uh, interesting time where, you know, our sport needs a connection and you guys are providing that. So thanks for doing that. Well, absolutely one of the most important figures, we'll put it that way, in the sport of wrestling, Rich. Let's not downplay that at all. Um, a big role at USA Wrestling. Um, the head man, if you will. But let, let's start up. Where are you at? What's it like? Are you at home? What's, what's life like where you're living? Yeah, so we are working remotely at USA Wrestling. All of our staff are in their homes, uh, all safe and sound, and uh, you know, really uh, expanding our our skill set. I think around technology and uh, and it's. Uh, but yeah, we're I'm I'm sitting in my uh, I'm at my kitchen table in uh, in Black Forest, Colorado. All right, is a it's like most towns. Is everything kind of shut down? Maybe 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 takeout from restaurants. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, we're enjoying. Uh, a lot of the same restrictions that everyone else is and uh um yeah takeouts and uh you know social isolation kind of and uh social distancing which you know social distancing and wrestling don't as a rule don't mix very well but uh <laughs> we're getting through and uh 
And I think, you know, Colorado Springs is uh, like a lot of communities around our country and around the world, uh, you know, just kind of trying to abide by the recommendations of those in authority and those that know what, what the details are around this, this virus and trying to be the best citizens we can. Sure. Um, when did, you know, were you like the rest of us in that kind of, it was like Wednesday, Thursday of last week that we really maybe started to take it seriously or at least started to see it have a big impact or, you know, being on the inside or whatever you want to call it. Did you have a little bit more heads up that the NCAs might get canceled uh, and uh, trials might get postponed, et cetera? Well, certainly uh, we were aware of, of the circumstance and, and, and I think a lot of the focus as was the case with with most most people was around the impact that this was going to have in 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 Asia and and in Europe and and ultimately uh, you're right on Tuesday and Wednesday of last week it it got real real for us and uh, actually I was in Ottawa uh, at the at the Pan Am qualifier and and had Cody Bickley our our high performance director in a meeting and 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 said to him you know where are we in terms of trips going out and he said well we're in good shape everybody's home uh kevin jackson is in the process of taking a a group of our eap kids to i believe latvia and he said but they haven't left yet and i said well why don't you call him and see and see where where they're at and ironically they were boarding a plane at o'hare headed for latvia and we got the kids uh turned around and and off the plane and their bags off and and sent back home so I'd say you know Wednesday is when it got real, real for us, and and we started to to make decisions to uh, um, kind of start to to slow things down and be in a in a in kind of a learning mode and and see where where this thing was headed. That's amazing. I didn't know about that about the AAP kids and and going to Latvia. Like they were literally in O'Hare, I guess, getting ready to board a plane. Who's whose call is that to say, hey, I don't think we should do this? Is that you or Cody or do you guys and Kevin or do you do you collaborate? Well, we, we collaborate. Ultimately, it's it's uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes the buck's got to stop somewhere. And made the call, and uh, you know, obviously at the time the, the kids were disappointed, and, and Kevin was disappointed, but understood. And uh, you know, one of the, the the really cool things about this entire um, crisis has been the cooperation and and the unity that that we felt within within our organization and the community. So. Uh, parents were, uh, as you can imagine, really grateful for the call, and uh, and we were able to get the kids back to Colorado Springs, and ultimately they're they're back, all back home safe and sound with their families. You know, it's, you said unity, and I, I hadn't put this quite together like that. While it's obviously different, uh, it takes me back to 2013. You know, and until then the wrestlers are competing, and there's you know I don't know my hatred, but there's you know it, it can get um, chippy at times and very competitive. But then it's like oh whoa. This Olympic thing in 2013, everybody hit the brakes, put their arms around each other, and approached it together. And I feel like something. Let's not put our arms around each other this time, but it's it's happening the same way, right? Everybody's kind of coming together, and and even Jordan Oliver said, "Hey, I'm rooting for Jay, uh, Zane, and we're all this together." Like I feel that kind of camaraderie or that I don't know if there's a better word. You feel that? Yeah, I I agree, and I think you know, and it's kind of hard to to imagine it right now, but I th- I think a lot of good's going to come from this. This pause, I think, uh, you know, we're going to be able to reimagine a lot of the things that we do. I know professionally at USA Wrestling, we're a better organization today than we were when when the crisis started, just simply because we've now embraced had to embrace technology. We had a, a conference call on Tuesday with I mean, a, a video conference call with 93 of our state leaders. I mean, really, uh, uh, and and just an, an opportunity for us to 
to embrace uh, what's available to us in terms of technology. But I think more importantly, really be able to, to hit the pause button and, and step back and really start to, to, to set some priorities on what really is important. But uh, I, I, I promise you, a lot of good is going to come from this. I know it doesn't feel like it now. But, you know, we're going to we're going to there's going to be new creative ways that that wrestlers are going to train and prepare themselves uh, in light of this 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 uh, social distancing requirement. And I think, you know, our coaches are going to be better coaches. Our, our, our athletes are going to learn how to to train better by themselves. And, then, you know, I think it's it's sometimes hard to reimagine those things. Right. We all learn this sport a certain way. We always learned it by feeling and and, you know, being in a room with with other wrestlers and coaches training and you know using each other to motivate motivate us to kind of push ourselves to a different level and i think you know as a result of this uh you know it's it, we're going to be a better sport and we're going to i mean i know for sure we're going to be a better usa wrestling you mentioned that you guys are embracing technology do you think that means like me you and gary could like get on google hangouts and just kind of kick it from our living rooms and like watch you know three stooges or eat ice <laughs> yeah cream? maybe i don't you know i'm not sure what gary, i don't know sure what gary's if uh, you and gary have the same video appetite in terms of what you're watching but um yeah i, I think that i think that's right and I, and I tell you what I, I would be really remiss if i didn't point this out and you know and I, I said this a lot publicly about the maturity of the wrestling audience to consume our sport digitally and that's a result of you know what flow and others have done to to really create a culture around our sport that i mean it's not i mean most wrestling people are not unfamiliar with using technology to consume wrestling, to, to communicate. And I think, you know, this, that really bodes well for our sport in this time where, you know, I'm not sure that's the case with other sports. You have mentioned the, the uh, maturity of the guys and using the technology and everything. I don't know. I, I doubt you've seen many of the interviews we've done. We've done uh, 20 or so over the week. And we had a bunch of, you know, senior athletes, senior college, senior um, wrestlers come on and they I was blown away with uh, the maturity and the way they told their stories the way they handled what happened to them um, in some cases the coaches couldn't speak because they were too choked up and the kids stepped up and and I guess it's just um, really awesome to see how mature uh, these guys are and how equipped they were to handle the situation yeah no doubt and I think it's you know obviously my and you know I'm sure everyone else's hearts break for those kids that have lost some opportunities for uh, events like the NCAA Division One championships that, or you know more than just that. But kids have prepared in some ways their entire life for for that moment, and it's my heart breaks for for those kids. And and certainly not to make light of of the postponements or the cancellations, but yeah, it's it's this is this is real, and it's uh, it's it's great that people you know at least have that outlet of technology to. To, to be able to articulate feelings and, 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 and communicate. I kind of want to go back to Ottawa because, you know, you're in Ottawa. You guys get the news that it's going bad. You, you call KJ and they get the kids off the plane in O'Hare yet. And I know this isn't your call, but the tournament still went on uh, at Pan Am's. What kind of uh, conversation? Were you involved in these conversations? Or did <laughs> UWW yeah. come down and say what their answer is? Yeah, I sure was. And, I you know, I – I don't know if I, I would say I'm proud or not proud of, of, of what I did up there in terms of, I mean, I reached out to the president of the International Federation and said, look, I mean, the information I'm getting is that we should be concerned. And um, if, if this event goes on, our, our kids are going to compete, whether, whether we want them to or not. And, and, I mean, can you imagine telling, you know, Helen Morales or Dave Taylor that, 
you know, the event's going on, but we really, we're not sure it's safe. And yeah. so I actually um, had meetings that went long into the night with, with the president of the International Federation and the, and the local authorities up there to ensure that there, there was a, um, a stamp of approval for better, lack of better term, to for us to continue with the Ottawa Health Association to say, yeah, this is because everyone's been here for so long, for the most part, um, and that you know we we feel like there's the steps have been taken to that this is a, a safe environment, and we think uh, you know obviously um, you know there's probably a bigger risk to to the athletes on their way home than than to compete. So um, yeah, we 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 pushed pretty hard to to make sure that there was some um, authority given to the fact that we weren't just plowing ahead because we're wrestlers. Yeah. And Rich, it was a three day event. Did you guys revisit that conversation at the end or at the beginning of each day and kind of decide, all right, has anything changed or, um, was it kind of once you decided at the beginning that the event was going to go on, that was the final Yeah. Step? And yeah, I mean that, and I wasn't involved in those daily con- conversations, but Stan Dazik, who is the vice president of the United world of United world wrestling and the, 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 the individual responsible for the event was meeting daily with, with the, the Ottawa folks and the, and the Canadian wrestling federation and, you know, and continued to, to uh, revisit the scenario and, and gave an assurance to us that, Hey, every, every precautions being taken and uh, you know, athletes can compete uh, in a, in a, in a safe environment in our, in, you know, from what we know. And certainly we, we, talked to every one of the athletes and made sure that they knew that, you know, we supported their decision regardless. And, uh, um, and as you can imagine, uh, you know, the, the response was almost exactly the same is you kidding me. Uh, if this event's happening, I'm, 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 I'm earning the spot. And um, so, I mean, it's really an inspirational week. Um, obviously great. I mean, our, our teams performed really well and, and, you know, we should be really proud of those warriors that went up there and, and earned the spots and those that laid it all on the line trying. Um, and then I guess looking ahead, right, you're, you're in Ottawa, and but you still got the last chance in, in the Olympic trials to deal with. How did that, the decisions to postpone those unfold? Um, and was it a similar process as, as what happened in Ottawa? Yeah, and, and, the, and the reality, um, and, and let me be really clear about this. I mean, USA Wrestling doesn't in our on our staff have a core competency to make a, a, a educated decision on the, the health and safety of athletes creating or competing in, in this environment. So, uh, you know, we are certainly yielding to, you know, organizations like the CDC, the, the, the World Health Organization and, and you know, local um, health authorities. Um, and in most cases, that's being kind of dictated to us. And, you know, whether that's uh, facility owners like Penn State or, or others that are saying, look, this, this is, you know, we, we just can't do it right now. And, and that's, that's kind of been the, the, that's certainly been the stance we've taken. We have a, a, a really high powered COVID-19 uh, advisory council led by uh, Dr. Tom Price. And Dr. Tom Price is a former secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services wow. uh, and his undersecretary, John Bartis, and then Hall of Fame Doc Bernie Feldman uh, are are serving on that advisory council and really giving us sound, wise counsel in terms of, you know, what we can and can't do. And, uh, you know, for the most part, those decisions are being kind of made for us. But certainly we're now is not the time for the wrestling community, in my opinion, to be defiant. I think, um, you know, now is the time for us to to listen to good, sound, wise counsel and, and make decisions that 
that will ultimately create a foundation for us to jump out as quick quick as quickly as we can when when these bans are lifted and it's safe for wrestlers to get back to doing what they do you um i I think you said just off off air right before we started you i mean you're on the ioc board is that right no i'm the i'm the u.s olympic paralympic uh, board okay um and and you you were having meetings over the last couple days and actually you said you're you're almost going to miss your meeting because you were going to the ncas or at least the first day of it right but you're, you're on and you met yesterday and i guess what was that what was that like, and how much were you guys talking about COVID nineteen and everything that's happening right now? Well, a lot of discussion uh, revolving around, um, you know, what what deci- what's the decision making process for the IOC, and you know how they make their decision. Um, a lot of conversation about, um, you know, making sure that the IOC understood the 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 views and the challenges that the athletes are facing in terms of putting their their preparation and training on hold. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, the mood of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee and the IOC is, I mean, right, they're going to they're gonna fight as hard as they can to preserve the opportunity for, for these athletes to compete and, and certainly not uh, risk their, their, their safety. But, you know, I think it's, 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 it's a lot of people would say that, does it make sense that in 125 days we're going to be able to bring, you know, 20, 20,000 athletes and uh, team officials to, to, um, to Tokyo in, in the light of this current environment. I, you know, most people would say it's probably a long shot, but I think it's, it's noble that the IOC is, is, I mean, they're, they're, they're being very diligent in terms of, you know, evaluating the situation and, and making sure that, uh, you know, if they, if they, if they pull the trigger either to go forward or postpone or, you know, I, I don't think cancellation is probably a, a likely scenario, but um, that they're going to do it, you know, in the best interests of the athletes. And, uh, you know, we're starting to hear people say that, you know, they don't agree with that approach, but, uh, you know, that's that's the mood within the, the international Olympic movement, I, I assure you. We've heard, like, rumors about uh, when a potential postponed Olympics could happen. Are there any specific contingency plans that you're hearing or, or options that – they might push it back to this time or that time, or is it right now just uh, pretty much up in the air? Well, I mean, right now, the, the so next week, the executive board of the International Olympic Committee meets, and uh, the president of, of United World Wrestling, uh, Nanette Lalovic, is, is a vice president in, in, in that meeting. And I had a, a, a long conversation with him yesterday about, you know, what a, you know what are the options? And, you know, I think most people would, would – say that you know there's there's options one would be on on july 24th opening ceremonies are going to take place in in tokyo option two would be some kind of a delay whether that would be a a delay of uh, you know months or you know i I think most reasonable people think it makes sense to delay it if you're going to delay it to delay it in the same time of year so um it does you know there's not as much of a disruption in terms of what's going on in the, in the world and other sports. And, you know, obviously, unfortunately, you know, certainly a cancellation, which, you know, I, I wouldn't personally be in favor of, and nor do I think that there's a lot of support for. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, unfortunately I can't say, Hey, on this date, they're going to make this decision. But, um, you know, in my conversation with Ned Lalovic yesterday, I mean, he made it really clear to me and I hadn't really looked at it this way. I mean, it was, you know, to me, you know, I, I, I like to, you know, 
I'd like to have an answer, right? It's like everybody would, right? I'd like to know, do we have to have our Olympic trials? Do we have to figure out how to, how to condense our trials? What's going to happen? We had a long conversation about what's going to happen with the, with the rest of the qualifying. Yeah. And he said, Rich, the reality of it is we're fighting for athletes. It's not, I mean, these people that are saying that the IOC is being tone deaf and in, in what's going around, on around the world, it's not true, right? We, we, we are going to fight to the end for the athletes because we know how important this is to 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 not just our athletes but society we need this and you know we're for sure not going to do it if if it can't be in a safe environment for sure can can't I and mean, there's there's for sure probably going to be some some changes made uh if if the events go on in in july but um you know i i, I had a different perspective after that call because you know i had that feeling of negativity like come on guys sit behind your big fancy desks over there and uh-huh. and don't realize what's going on if you're an athlete and it's just the opposite they're they're fighting for the right for athletes to compete and you, i promise you every every athlete that you talk to on this program will tell you the same thing right this there's few things more important than this for them and and it's uh you know it's kind of noble to, to know that there's people in high places fighting for them man as as the days go on and even as we get through this conversation i I don't know. I'm just getting the sense a little bit more and a little bit more that like I get the feeling the Olympics aren't going to happen this summer. Do you and whether it's postponed, hopefully or or, you know, not canceled. Do do you have an idea? Do you have what do you think? Do you do you have a thought? Well, yeah, I mean, I have a thought. I mean, I think like I said earlier, I mean, in in terms of, you know, understanding, I mean, looking at the Olympic Games and, you know, I've I've this is I'm over three decades at USA Wrestling and served at an intimate level in 96 uh, with as a competition manager for wrestling and understanding what goes into hosting a games and what goes, I mean, the, the enormous amount of moving parts that are associated with just one team, one specific sport team getting to the games. And to think that in light of the fact that, you know, sport around the world has come to a screeching halt as a result of this virus, to think that in 125 days we can ramp that back up and and you know get everybody there and get all the qualifying. I mean, there's only 57 percent of the of the of the uh, qualifying's done for the Olympic Games. Only 57 percent. That's wow. I mean, wrestling we we don't have that, but or I guess in wrestling we do have that. But um, you know, it's I mean, think about that. Think about you know what? How would you even fill the games if you know if you were if you were going to make a decision, you know, next week or um, next month, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, how do you put that together, and how do you make it a um, not only a safe environment but a fair environment? And we had a long talk yesterday about doping, in in terms of you know that that program around the world, I I think most reasonable people would say has been shut down a little bit. I mean, we we got some reassuring information yesterday from the head of of um, the United States anti-doping agencies, that's not the case in the United States. That, that they're, I mean, doping control is continuing and, you know, we, we, sh- we should continue to, to, to be vigilant in making sure that people know that, you know, regardless of the coronavirus, cheating is not going to be tolerated and, and allowed in our sport. So, but the question is that, is that the same around the world? And, uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. I, I mean, for the athlete's sake, I mean, we all know what goes in to the preparation and the, it means a lifetime of commitment. And, you know, we owe it to them to make sure that we're doing everything to, to, 
try to provide that opportunity, but I think a lot of reasonable people would say we're getting really close to the point where it's going to probably be, be a tough thing to do. Yeah. Um, back in 2001, right, they, the 9-11 happened and they canceled the championships in New York City. You obviously were, were at USA Wrestling back then. Um, are, are there any, obviously we're in a different scenario here, but as far as the competition being canceled, or can you find any similarities between then and, and now? Well, I mean, I think it's, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, this is a, um, I mean, for us, it was, it was a big deal, right? I mean, it was, um, you know, we had, there was a lot put into, to preparation from Madison Square Gardens to host, host those uh, championships. And, uh, you know, but, you know, I, I think we quickly had the realization of, you know, putting things in priority and in perspective in terms of, um, you know, what to do. And it, it wasn't, that tough a decision. I mean, we, we, we quickly were, were given options outside of the United States that, you know, we knew that our athletes could still have the, the chance to participate. And, you know, I mean, that was a, a, a more of a U.S. thing and not, uh, um, this is a worldwide uh, issue. And, and I think, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's different. And, and certainly um, one thing that I will never be, and that's flipping about you know, what it means to, to athletes to, to, to not be, not have that opportunity. I mean, like I said earlier, my heart absolutely is broken for those NCA kids that, you know, have had, had prepared and, and deserve to, to have the opportunity to participate. But, you know, I, I mean, I think, you know, if, if, if the events are, are held or, or postponed, we're, you know, wrestling is going to be at the tip of the spear, right? We're going to be the, the, I mean, we're, we're resilient. We're, we're, we're going to be there, you know, making every, uh, uh, doing everything we can to, to, to make sure that our, our, our athletes have the opportunity to participate and, and sport will, will, will go on. I mean, it's not a it, little bit ironic if you look at what happened yesterday in, in Tokyo when the Olympic flame was delivered, who, who, who received it? A wrestler. And, uh, you know, I think that says a lot for our sport and, and our resilience and, and, uh, and I think it's, uh, you know, a testament to, to what our sport means. If, if the worst case scenario, the, the Olympics just get canceled, right? No Olympics. We got to wait till 2024. I mean, does that affect the sport of wrestling in general? Or is it just like a speed bump? Well, certainly I think it, I mean, it, it affects our sport. I mean, it's the, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, the pinnacle of, of our sport and, um, you know, we'll recover from it. I mean, obviously we'll, work really hard to, to figure out how we can uh, recognize those athletes that deserve to be recognized as Olympians and, and, and move forward from there. But, um, you know, it, it, it'll be, it'll be tough, but I, I promise you, you know, we as a sport would, would get through it. Rich, you mentioned that wrestling is kind of at the tip of the spear with this whole thing. And earlier you said that because of how wrestling fans have followed wrestling online with technology that we're kind of I don't know, prepared for this particular challenge. Did you notice any differences in people that are coming from other sports backgrounds in your conversations with the U S Olympic and Paralympic committee? Are you getting the sense that other sports are having maybe a, a more difficult time? Well, a couple of things that I've noticed and, and there's, and just for educational purposes, there's 50 national governing bodies that make up the U.S. Olympic Committee. Wrestling is one of the 50 NGBs, and and there's a lot of diversity in terms of 
where where sports are in, in this space, right? A lot. I mean, there's sports like wrestling that are that are incredibly mature. There are sports like wrestling that um, you know have have embraced technology, and in, you know, in particular, USA Wrestling. I mean, we're we're a cloud based organization. We 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 operate in the cloud. So for for us to start re- working remotely, it's not something that's uh, necessarily uh, foreign to everyone. Obviously, we have a lot of staff members that 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 was it was the first time that they were kind of forced into that space but you know i think um you know there it, it's 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 really all over the place i think there's some that, that are really going to struggle uh, not only uh professionally and how they they run their sport but i think financially i mean one of the things that i'm incredibly grateful for is over the last um two or three decades right usa wrestling's been been committed to to saving and preparing for a rainy day fund now you know, a lot of the motivation that we had for doing that was to take advantage of opportunities when they present themselves. But in this case, right, we, we, you know, we can give assurance to to the sport that we're not going away because you know, we don't have, we aren't selling memberships or kids aren't uh, buying entry fees and or our sponsors aren't uh, sending in endorsement checks. But um, you know, we we so we have that 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 resource available to us to to continue on. I'm not sure that's the case with a, a lot of our other. Uh, national governing bodies, so so we're blessed from that perspective, and and certainly can't be. Uh, um, we have to be diligent, right? We have to continue to to understand the environment that we're in. We can't continue to to uh, um, extend resources that are not absolutely necessary. And and uh, but I think you know for the most part, wrestling wrestling's in in, in good shape, and you know even in spite of the fact that I can think of no sport that social distancing impacts more than wrestling and you know that's that's where when i said earlier i think you'll see our sport be really creative in this space a lot of really creative and smart people are going to come up with ways for for us to consume our sport uh how to train um individually how to you know maintain a that that level of fitness and 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 uh to be ready when 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 the when the whistle blows we're, we're going to be standing on that tape ready to go I got just a, a quick um, practical question, I guess. Um, you know, you have resident athletes at, at the training center. I mean, they, they live in a dorm. They eat in the cafeteria. They train in the wrestling room. That's kind of what they do. And now I'm, I assume the wrestling room shut down. Are, are athletes still living at the OTC, or are they kind of all sent home to wherever they're from? Yeah, so, so um, most of our athletes are, are home. Um, we I mean in the and the athletes that are there and I understand it's not just this wrestling wrestling athletes but they have uh, I mean they're maintaining the 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 dining hall and I, I believe it's it's all takeout uh, but they're you know athletes are still uh, kind of sheltering in place there they, they haven't kicked anybody out I think most for the most part uh, athletes have have went home uh, but they're still providing meals uh, to the athletes obviously getting medical care if needed and uh, and you know, just obviously living there, and the kind of the cool thing about where the United States Olympic Training Center is here in Colorado Springs is right next to a hosp- the hospital, Memorial Hospital. And, and I know that um, you know the the U.S. Olympic Committee has offered and uh, to be kind of a backup for for our hospital, which you know, kind of another example of of the Olympic movement, you know, reaching out to to others to to help. So I think that's kind of a, a cool. Hopefully, it doesn't come to that, but. Uh, you think about it. There's, you know, five dormitories right across the street from one of the major hospitals here in the area, and 
most of the athletes are are not there, so might be a good resource to for our community to, to take advantage of. Sure, and and kind of last thing, we're just just right almost at our limit here, but I wanted to swing it back to NCA wrestling and talk about Minneapolis and the idea of having it at a football stadium. What your initial thoughts were if if they changed that all? If you ever saw that mock up diagram? What did you think about having it in a football stadium and, and being a little bit more spread out, but having a bigger crowd? Well, I, I guess, you know, a lot of times it's easy to get really selfish about, well, I mean, complain about, well, how can, you're going to be so far away from the wrestling. But, man, I just kept going back to the fact that 40,000 people in one building watching our sport, that's a good thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think a, a great a great platform uh, for exposure for wrestling and I think, you know, speaks to the the strength of our sport and uh and the interest of our sport and uh I said earlier that's one of the reasons my heart breaks is not you know just for the wrestlers but for for those people that you know plan their whole year around around that experience and I mean, it's it's a, a fabulous foundational event for our sport and uh and i was i was really excited about what we we're going to see I, you know my personal opinion is that is that the uh venue that the sport should be in you know, I, I guess if, if we can continue to sell 40,000 tickets to, to the NCAA wrestling championship, we should figure out a way to, to do that. But, um, you know, I think there's something to be said for those experiences that we've all had in, in those sold out venues that you feel like every time there's a, a, a even just a glimpse of, of action, the roof comes off. And, yeah. uh, you know, those are those are things that, you know, hopefully those kind of memories kind of carry us through in times like this. Right. We can think about that time when, you know, Kyle Dake and Gwiz wrestled in Madison Square Gardens and, you know, the place was electric. And, you know, we could sit here all day and talk about those electric moments. So, um, yeah, I, I was I was looking forward to it. And I think I think, uh, you know, I wasn't the only one. Yeah, no, I was I was looking forward to it. Didn't know exactly how it was going to play out, whether or not I loved it or hated it or somewhere in between. But um, I think definitely we – I hope they give it a shot again. I think they're bid next year for the next four. So hopefully one of those uh, ends up in a, fo- in a football stadium. Um, that's about it. Rich, you got anything else for us? Uh, I just want to, again, say thank you and, uh, you know, just encourage uh, the wrestling community to, to be creative at this time, right? I mean, I, I'd love to see – uh, videos and clips from wrestling coaches and wrestlers, uh, you know, talking about how they're 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 coping and and you know staying in shape and and staying connected to the sport in this time and uh, you know just thank you for the patience. I mean, obviously, as soon as we can make announcements around our Olympic trials and and when we can um, blow the whistle on on our on our local events starting back up again, we're going to do that. I mean, I promise you that we're going to be as as aggressive as we possibly can to make sure that uh, wrestling gets back in business as safely uh, and as soon as possible. All right, Rich, appreciate the time. Uh, stay safe, and, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, fellas. All right, thanks, thank Rich. you. All right, really good to hear from from Rich, have some perspective. Um, and it was really good to hear kind of that, that perspective on the UWW and um, USOC, which, he, which he's connected to. Yeah, and I, I mean, I appreciate hearing that wrestling's in a good place i mean compared to other sports i don't i don't think about other sports and i don't i don't always necessarily think about us being progressive in terms of technology use but it sounds like we are so that's great we don't think about it because this is what we do every day yeah yeah so on from rich bender and to our next guest gabe dean (laughs) gabe are you on the toilet (laughs) i'm I'm in a bathroom right now yeah 
Okay, yeah. not a not a toilet, but you're, you're in a bathroom. And I saw you setting up. You know, we had you on the. Uh, I could see you. Set, were you next to a dog cage earlier with a brick a brick wall behind you? What's what's going on? Where where are you? Yeah. Are you quarantining? So yeah, so let me let me explain. I'm um, I'm All in right. Arizona right now for a couple days. I'm visiting my girlfriend and her sister, and her, and her sister's boyfriend have an apartment here, and they have three dogs. Oh. And so I'm like working. Like trying to avoid the three dogs, and they, <laughs> so this is where it all came together for me. The dogs had to be fed earlier, so I had to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> kind of in the doghouse, if you will. Yes, 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 exactly. So I'm uh, I'm currently in the bathroom, um, quarantining myself from the, all the action that's outside that door. Okay, so, and. Our- the most important question, um, is there toilet paper in that bathroom? There is. There is right here, actually. I can actually pull it up and show you. Because, yeah, uh, I need visual right. confirmation would be great. <laughs> there is visual confirmation. Hold on real quick. Boom. There it is. Right oh, there. Oh, that's – yeah, I mean that's, that's, that's half a roll though. I yeah, yeah, I don't know where the – if there's a rest, but uh, I was waiting and I went to the grocery store yesterday to Costco and you had to wait in line to get in. It was the first time I ever waited in a line to get into a grocery store. Uh, it's just kind of crazy times we're living in right now. Yeah. So, and there's no there, of course. <laughs> Everybody's fine. So, okay, and I'm yeah. kind of actually kind of interested. Like, you went to Costco's huge. It's like a Sam's Club, right? Like, it's buy it, buy in bulk. Yeah, what, I mean, what was the, how long did you have to wait? How many people were let in at a time? What was it like once you got inside? So we they had to. I probably waited like 20 minutes outside. They had to. Um, I think they have to keep it around, I want to say, whatever half their max capacity is. So I think that's the rule right now. So there was a lady at the front, and they had created lines, you know, like outside organized lines and people running those lines. And then she was just clicking people in and clicking them out as they came out. And uh, it was it was really interesting. I, I, I Just like we take things for granted in this country because of all the freedom that we have. And it's like, oh, what? You know, it's just kind of. I think that's what this virus is doing. It's kind of putting everything in perspective for, for how how great we really have it as a country. So when, when you, and I, I can't get off of this. When you're in line for the grocery store, were you like? Was the line was people six feet apart? Were they or were they right up against each other? Um, you know, the the some people were keeping their distance, and then some people were. I mean, it it, it wasn't like a line for an amusement park that that tight, but. Yeah, there was there wasn't like six feet apart. I wouldn't say like they weren't keeping us six feet apart. It was kind of like how you, you know, we were just. It, it was kind of how you felt. So, um, but it was yeah, it was bizarre. I'd like it was just crazy experience. I've never uh, I've never waited in line to get into a grocery store before. <laughs> so. Wait for bathrooms. I wait for lots of things, but never for the grocery store. Um, no, no. So you're in Arizona. Right now would have been NCAAs. I'm guessing you planned on being in Minneapolis right now. Uh, when did you pivot? When did you fly? Was it weird flying? So I, I, um, you know, when it, the news was announced, you know, first the news was announced on Wednesday night that there was going to be no fans in the stands. And it was kind of like trying to wrap your head around that because it's a 65,000-person stadium and there's going to be 2,000 probably total. And then that night when the NBA suspended the rest of their season, I knew I had a bad feeling because I knew that was going to put pressure on the NCAA basketball committee. And then once, you know, the basketball and everything, Kansas and Duke started pulling out and 
that was crazy. Just um, we were running individuals. So we run individuals for our starters on Thursday. And I just finished up one with Darmstadt and I was wrestling with them. And I get done and it's like, hey guys, like, I, like, um, uh, Mike Gray came out and was like, guys, the tournament's not happening. And it was like, you didn't know, like, your heart immediately broke for, like, the seniors across the whole sport for every program, not just our own. Um, and then the guys, obviously, that qualified for nationals, you know, we had guys that stepped into the lineup this year that normally weren't going to get a shot and figured out a way to get there. I mean, we had eight national qualifiers um, on a team where that wasn't really expected. And we, we were really excited for some of these young, these younger guys that, and, and, and like guys like Noah Ballman, who were seniors that have missed it by like one allocation spot two years in a row, you know, it's just like, it was going to be cool for this team with our three Olympic red shirts out and just a neat experience for a lot of these kids that finally made it there. And you just, your heart broke for them. Um, and so all that went through, we went through all that and, Finally, they shut down the campus. They shut down, you know, the RTCs. Nobody could get into our building anymore. And those kind of came over the next few days. And it was like, okay, so what do we do? You know, like, you know, we, we can't have RTC practice. We can't have anybody in the building. All athletic facilities are closed. Obviously, the weight room and everything's been closed. So I was like, well, uh, we can recruit from anywhere because we can't have any on-campus or off-campus recruiting. It's no way implemented a dead period right away. And so it was like, I'm going to see if I can go, you know, which we normally don't get the opportunity to do, go, go see, you know, different parts of my family. And uh, so I got on a plane and um, luckily for me, you know, I got on a plane and the guy next to me, it was coughing the whole time. So that was, that was kind of uncomfortable. But, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I made it here and I, I don't think, I'm pretty sure I don't have the coronavirus. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. So was there any kind of you, you travel plenty and you're on planes pr- plenty. Were there any kind of what did it feel weird? Were people acting weird? Was the social distancing thing kind of even in place yet? It's definitely different. Um, you know, just the, the, the vibe that you get when you're in the airport, even, you know, everybody's wearing masks uh, for the most part. Um, people are people socially distance themselves very well in the airports. It's like everybody, nobody gets close to each other. Um, the restaurants, you can't, you can't have more than a couple people at a table. And then like people are sitting at different places in the restaurants far away from each other. Um, some restaurants aren't even open. Uh, you know, they have to, like I got a coffee in the Chicago airport. That's where my layover was. And they had to put my creamer and honey in it for me. You know, like I, I, there's nobody can, you know, they don't have the creamer and honey sitting out. They do it for you. Um, and then on the plane, it's like, everybody's scared to touch anything. So everybody's kind of walking like this, you know, with their bags and not trying to bump anything. People are Clorox and wiping the seats down before they sit in them. Um, you know, people are turned away from each other like this. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, it's very evident in the, the airline industry right now, how everybody's scared, uh, to, to be around each other. Was it, was it a full plane? Was it kind of halfway? Was it mostly full? Not very? The, the flight out of Syracuse to Chicago was pretty full, but the flight from Chicago to Arizona was, was not full at all. I had, a, I had like a whole road to myself. So yeah, it was, it was, that, that one was pretty empty. Um, so 
when did you – I mean, was it not till? you know, I think everybody's probably going to have the same answer, but maybe not. Like, did you take it seriously before last Wednesday and Thursday or as seriously as we are now? And did did you realize it was going to be as big of a thing as, as it has become? You know, no. I don't, and I don't think anybody really did. I mean, we, we were all sitting there and we were looking at what was happening in China and we were kind of like, wow, you know, that's kind of crazy. But, you know, they're shutting the country down and stuff. And then um, – but we all, like, you know, we were going through conference weekend and, you know, really pumped up about how our team performed and and then all of a sudden inside of like three days it was just like hitting like crazy you know in the united states it was like first it started with like shutting down a couple things and then it was like bam you know like nba suspense season kansas and duke pull out of the national basketball tournament um you know we were losing fans uh at the national at our tournament and then it was just it was like inside of four days everything that we expected that we were pre- preparing for just gone. <laughs> and it was like, I didn't see that coming. Um, I mean, I wasn't totally um, researching the, 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 I didn't take the, the coronavirus that seriously until, you know, everything started happening here um, because I had no idea what the, the, the effects it was having in the rest of the world. But then, you know, Italy completely shut down and, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, no, it was hard to see that. It's hard to see any of this coming, right? I mean, it's crazy what's happening in our country right now, kind of living through a, a historic moment, um, you know, where we're all going to reflect back and be like, you guys remember when you know, everything got canceled down because we were having a pandemic in our country, you know? So, yeah. Was, and uh, I echo that statement, right? And I think the reason, at least for me, that it was – easy to not take seriously or, or what, however you want to phrase that like because it, we had seen this before with SARS or Ebola or Mad Cow and and you just you hear this stuff and you think okay we've been through this before give it a couple weeks everything will be fine but not not the case um, so as, let's turn to Cornell's team man like first guy that jumps out to me is, is Chaz Tucker you know a guy had a, a breakout season and comes to the national tournament undefeated. Did you get a chance to speak with him um, before you guys kind of split town? So, uh, yeah. So when it happened on Thursday, um, Coach Gray uh, and his wife had – we picked up pizzas and had everybody over to the, his house. And um, we just sat and uh, talked and, and, you know, reminisced and memories and, you know, like laughed and brought everybody together to be together during a really tough time. And, I think it didn't hit, you know, our seniors and Chaz, you know, like Chaz and Noah Bauman and uh, Brandon Womack were all seniors going to the tournament. And I don't think it hit them right away, you know. It was kind of like they're in shock. Um, but then once we all came together and, you know, we were all putting our arms around each other and just, you know, telling each other how grateful we were for each other, it was like it, it really started to kind of sink in. And I, I know it was really emotional for Chaz. You know, guys guys were Undefeated, third seed at national has never been an All American before. Um, it's going to be a, a national champion, and um, you know doesn't even get the opportunity to step out there is uh, is really sad. And like like I said, Noah Ballman, you know, missed the allocation spot by one spot two years in his career, and then he finally made it in a pretty dramatic fashion in our in our conference tournament. He uh, he beat a pretty good kid from uh, Franklin Marshall to 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 seal the deal there and. He finally makes it, and you know Brandon Womack's an All-American, and you know, wants to go out 
his senior year, you know, even though he had banged up his uh, shoulder a little bit, wants to go out wrestling in the national tournament. And, and then, you know, you got all the other guys that fill in between, you know, you got like Don LaJoy, who was uh, filling in, you know, at 125 this year after Vito stepped out and he lights out to make it to the national tournament, you know, from where he came at the beginning of the season to where he is now, it was like amazing that he was going to compete at NCAAs, you know, and, um, you know, you got, you got Hunter Richard at 149 who, who was wrestling his tail off this year. And, you know, you just got all these guys that, you know, just your heart breaks for, you know, but, you know, especially our seniors, because that's it. As of right now, anyways, you know, that's it. To that so. point, they brought up eligibility relief. Do you think there's any chance any of that happens? I mean, spring sports, obviously, it has uh, winter. Uh, I don't see it happening. Um, just with all the different hurdles and issues that you have to overcome, uh, I just I have a hard time seeing them giving it back to the winter sports. And maybe I'm just preparing myself for the worst, um, but it seems like that is kind of agreed upon across everybody that I know. So um, I don't I don't see it happening with winter sports, unfortunately. I tend to feel the same way, unfortunately. Um, as far so as far as looking like it's really tough. Yeah, yeah, freaking so, and and you want it for them, but if it were to happen, you don't know how it could happen. And then does those seniors getting another year uh, get in the way of somebody else having an opportunity? You know, a backup, a, a junior who was waiting for a senior to graduate, whatever the case may be, right? So I don't. However yeah, you do scholarship it, issues, graduating on time. Yeah, however you do All it, somebody's going to be left out. It's pretty unfortunate. Yeah. Normally, yeah. Gabe, the NCAA tournament gives you, as a coach, probably a lot of data to work with. Um, and it's kind of some finality and then and then kind of resets in terms of for the next year. Does it feel – how does it feel different as a coach not having that kind of last set of information? And I, I don't even know if the season feels like it's – like it's over? Is it fine? Does it feel final? Do you feel that closure or how do you kind of approach that as a coach? I don't know if you guys go through this, but I do every year after the national tournament. It's like, there's just such a high. And then you go through a couple of days of riding that high. Right. And then like, like the fourth or fifth, maybe a week later, you're like, um, okay. Now, like, now, <laughs> now what? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, my side. And it's like almost like a sad feeling, but then you kind of transition, you get ready for the international styles and you're good to go again and you're rolling. Um, but like this year, it's like I was thinking and I was talking to some of our guys about it. I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, we talk about how our sport prepares us for the rest of our life, you know, and all the things that we take from it, all the things we learn from it, um, the values and how it sets a foundation for us since we were young kids as a teaching tool. For as we grow up to provide us with adversity and to keep overcoming that adversity and, and, and helping us grow. And it's like, we preach and preach and preach to them about this. And now we are actually living in a moment where we would be right now in the middle of the national tournament, but instead we have to reflect back on everything that we've talked about with our guys. You know, all the, this is a extremely adverse moment in our country and our sport and we now are being tested and if we can live in what we talk about, you know, like this is what wrestling prepares us for is these types of things. And, and now we're here and uh, it's weird. It's crazy that I'm not sitting in the corner of someone's, you know, of, of someone wrestling right now. I, 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 it's definitely some, yeah, quarterfinals were what one of the 
rounds in the national tournament, you know, where people are rocking, people are getting to the semifinals and becoming all Americans. And it's just, it's crazy to think that I'm not, I'm, I'm sitting in a bathroom in Arizona right now. I'm not there, you know, but, uh, uh, at the same time, it's like, all right, well, it's time to step up, you know, it's time to step up and figure out how we move forward and get through this and, um, to practice what we preach and, uh, practice all the things that this sport has prepared us for. Um, and thank God, you know, we, the sport, it's a tight community. Um, you know, there's rivals, but we all, we all at the end of the day, you know, it's, it, you respect, you know, each other and, and, and have, you know, great involved. And uh, now it's time to just, we, we got to figure out how to move forward and get through this thing. So I want to kind of piggyback off of, off of David's question about whether or not this season has finality and how you look back at it. Like, do you know, because of what's happened here, do you think that the regular season needs to have more importance? As we all know, nothing matters in the NCAA season until that third weekend of March. And that's what you're defined by. Do you think there's a way or, or do you think it even should be have that spread out so it's not like everything you're judged and what you did that last week of March is what your season was? Well, you know, I, um, I've i always believed in the, the dual meet aspect of the sport. You know, I'm, I've always been an advocate for that uh, just because like in high school, even in the high school level, you know, Michigan, I grew up in Michigan and we have a dual meet state championship and we have a uh, individual state championship and I've always really liked that you know and it was cool it's always packed for the dual meet state championships the whole towns come out get into it and I've always liked that um so if there was a sport to incorporate that I think it would be awesome um but I, I don't know it would be interesting to see how you set up a different way as of the model that we have right now where um at the end of the day everything is practiced you know, for that for that weekend in March, everything's preparing you for that weekend. I don't know what the model would look like, um, but I think it would be. I would definitely think it'd be something to look into. I mean, I would I would be intrigued and uh, you know possibly support something that kind of spread that across, like you said, instead of making just three days like the, deter, the determine the the whole season for these kids because these kids work so hard and do all the right things and 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 train so hard that. And so it's like almost hard for only three days to, to really truly matter. I wish they don't, you know, seating and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, it all goes into it. But, you know, the, to define whether they're to, to, to completely define them, it would be nice to it would be nice to have something, maybe maybe something else incorporated into our system. I don't even know if that's feasible, but um, it, I, I think it's interesting that you brought it up. Yeah. Um. Okay, we kind of talked about the NCA guys. Now, you, you guys have a slew of, of, you know, freestyle guys with uh, Vito, Yanni, Kyle, Max. Um, you know, I specifically think about Kyle because he's the probably the most likely out of all those guys to, to maybe make an Olympic team, and he's been eyeing this for a long time. <clears throat> and, yeah, I, I think you're probably still one of his main training partners. Did you guys get to talk much at all as this was going on and – as Friedman's getting shut down, or I don't know if you're trying to go work out in backyards or kind of how that all, all went. Um, so, you know, we were, even after like the national tournament stuff came out that it wasn't happening anymore, we jumped right into the RTC stuff and um, then they shut us down and it was like, okay, well, the things have been postponed, you know, for, for the, the last chance qualifier, Olympic trials and all that, and all that stuff. So they haven't been canceled. Thank God yet 
Um, and so it's like we decided to Kyle. I know I saw a video of Kyle. He had, uh, he, he had moved his stuff into his garage and he was he was working out in there. Um, my brother went back to Michigan. He's in Michigan right now. And my dad rolled out uh, a mat in our garage. So he, he's working out there. I know Yanni's had his garage growing up his whole life has been wrestling mats in it. They never used it to park their cars. So I know he's up there. And uh, I know Vito and his dad have a – Vito's dad runs a, a club in, in Long Island. And so Vito's, Vito's there. So it's uh, – yeah, we're all kind of working out in our home gyms right now. Um, and uh, I, for Kyle, you know, um, I, I really, I, I really just let Kyle do his thing. He texts me and says, "Hey, we need to wrestle today," and 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 I'm there, you know, obviously. Uh, and when we were getting ready for Derringer and all that kind of stuff, I was I was watching film on his opponents and well, well Alex, I was trying to wrestle almost ex- exactly like, and I'd watch a lot of film on him. Um, and then when he was at the world championships, I'd watch film on his opponents and try to give him kind of a look for the next guy he was wrestling with. We were warming up in the morning, but I wasn't, uh, I never like, you know, sit down and talk strategy with Kyle or, or anything like that. He just does his thing. I, I just stay out of his way. Um, he, he knows, you know, he knows what he's doing. Um, I, I just, you know, whatever role he needed me to play, I, uh, I would take that and, and try to do my best at it. But I, you know, Kyle handles things really well, um, and, you know, he'll be ready. I, I can guarantee that. So, Okay. You said, you know, last summer you were trying to represent or uh, replicate Alex Daringer as much as possible. And it's no secret that if he's going to make the Olympics, he's going to have to go through Jordan Burroughs. <laughs> no offense, but how do you replicate Jordan Burroughs? I know it's coming. <laughs> it's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. And, and nothing against Alex too. He was very difficult for me to replicate. I mean, um, you know, switching to a lefty lead and and his strengths and everything that he does with uh, with, with his offense, it, it was difficult. But yeah, I'm not. I don't think I look at myself exactly. You know, I'm more maybe more of a Derringer build. I think um, so. <laughs> but I don't, I don't see myself uh, built like Jordan Bros kind of at all. So I. Uh, that's a tough one, you know, and luckily we've had Nashawn Garrett in the room. Um, uh, and I know Nashawn's been, Nashawn kind of already a little bit wrestles like Jordan. I mean, Jordan, you can't replicate Jordan Burroughs, right? I mean, he's, he's one of the greatest wrestlers to ever wrestle. Um, but at least Nashawn can give Kyle a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of that speed and, and that, that pop and that explosiveness feel. So, um, you know, that's not coming from me. No surprise, but <laughs> thanks for clearing that up. I come from me. Yeah, so, Gabe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, brought up the the situation with Kyle last summer, and you know, it, not not similar to the COVID nineteen situation at all. But it was a situation where Kyle Dake's schedule became very different than probably how he had planned for the lead up to his world team trials. Right? He he doesn't have uh, the benefit of going through regular final X. He's got a, a different timetable he has a shorter turnaround after he makes the team to, to prepare for worlds um did you learn anything from coaching an athlete through like a drastically changed timeline that could be helpful in preparing athletes for whenever the olympic trials do come around or or whenever we do get back to normal absolutely i you know i i feel pretty blessed to be in our room with guys like kyle and and yanni and nation and, and Vito and coach gray and um, you know, 
and Mike and my and uh, Max and all these guys because I feel like I'm just sitting there observing and just kind of soaking in uh, all the different things that they all bring to the table. They all wrestle differently. They all have different technique. And when I was going through the process with Kyle, um, when we you know we went over to Spain and he wrestled in Spain, and then we went down to Texas for Derringer, and then we went overseas for the the World Championships, obviously. And I got to be kind of front row seats. I was kind of watching how he prepares, watching how he does things, and you know. Um, anytime, you know, I, I have an opportunity to learn just by observing, I, I try to make the most of it. So, um, yeah, I learned a ton just to, to implement back into like the guys that I coach and the guys that I work with. Uh, it was a, a, a really neat experience for me to go to Spain and, and help them and be there for them for those times and then be at the world championships and watch the high level wrestling that goes on there. I mean, that was like a bucket list item, right? To be at the world championships, watching these guys compete. You know, guys like Haji Leah and Otoguro and, and, you know, Burroughs and Kyle and, you know, like Sajaleev and Yazdani and all these guys walking around and watching them wrestle. You know, I was sitting there just kind of taking notes, you know, with things that I can bring back and implement back and do the guys that I coach and their styles. So I just, you know, the end of my coaching career after my athletic career, and I just feel very blessed to be around the people that I am and be a part of the program that I'm part of for those kind of opportunities. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's humbling and it's really, really special to be able to walk into work every day and know that you're probably going to learn uh, something new. And, and it's me. It's a, it's, it's a really, really neat, neat experience to be a part of. So yeah, without a doubt, man, world championships is, one of the coolest things I recommend to anybody if you get a chance, uh, check it out at some point. Um, maybe the last thing, unless David's got something after this, I want to talk about was the idea of Minneapolis having at a football stadium, um, the give and take between having more fans, but maybe being a mile away from the mats. Uh, and and yeah. even for the coaches and competitors, like <laughs> I can't even imagine the walk from the t- corner of the tunnel to the mat. And every little thing kind of – what was your take on what was uh, – what was supposed to go down? So I kind of have two sides and I'm trying to see both of them. First side is like everybody came out and they were like bashing that, right? Cause the mats were a mile away from each other. And like you said, like you come out of this tunnel and you got to get all the way down to mat eight and uh, it's, it's a mile away. So I do understand that. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely not taking away from that in this next point that I'm going to make, but we were going to have the national championships in a football stadium, <laughs> yeah. like a 60,000 brand new football stadium. Like let's think about that for a second. I remember, I mean, I don't remember personally cause I wasn't alive, but I've seen pictures of championships were held in Barton hall in the 1960s on Cornell's campus. And it's like, there's probably a thousand to 2000 people there, you know, and now we're having it in the Viking stadium, 65,000 people. It's like, Let's take let's take a step back and see like where our sport's going, right? You know, it's it's grown, it's getting bigger. It would have broken the t- attendance rec- attendance record if we would have had the national championships this year, for sure. And I just like I sit back and I appreciate that from uh you know someone that loves this sport so much and has so much passion for the sport. It's like let's be thankful for the fact that we are going and moving towards football stadiums now. You know, like we're not we're, we're growing as a as a sport now. For the actual layout itself, I do understand like how that would be an issue. How the mats are su- super far apart, and like you know, there's going to be people sitting way up in the rafters, and it's going to be hard to like see. They're going to be like little ants down there. I, I do understand that, but the fact that we are actually 
in a football stadium for the first time. Well, it didn't happen, but we were going to be in a football stadium for the first time, smash the attendance record, and our viewership grows every year on ESPN. I, I just, I'm like, you know, good for us. Uh, like, like we should all be patting ourselves on the back right now. Our sport is growing and and it's uh, evolving. So. Yeah, I was ready for it. Whether love it or hate it, I, I wanted to give it a try and at least, at least see kind of how it went. Yeah. Um, Gabe, we're, 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 we're running right up to about the end of our time, but um, I want to just let you have any any last thoughts or parting words from, from the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, from uh, the bathroom in Arizona. I, uh, <laughs> I, I just want to – during this tough time, I, I, I appreciate everything that Flow Wrestling is doing, everything that USA Wrestling is doing. Um, you know, thanks for the seniors across all programs. Uh, I, I, I hope there's um, some way to cope with that eventually down the road. Um, you know, I feel still very, I wake up every day feeling very blessed to be a part of this great sport, this great community that wrestling brings. And, um, we're going to move forward. We're going to get through this and we're going to come out better than we were before. So that's it. Awesome, man. Gabe, always appreciate the time. Uh, make sure you flush before you get out of there and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. See you later, man. Have a great day. Have a great day. All right. Well, um. I'm pretty sure in all my years of doing interviews, oh, actually I did one with Kyle Dake in the bathroom back in about 2011. Really? It was like a couple nights before the NCAA championships. He was like in a cold tub. I I saw that ice bath, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in an ice bath playing some kind of game on on his iPhone. I saw that. I saw that. Man, just echoing everything we've said about all these other guests, just great perspective from Gabe Dean. Um, Really good to hear from a guy who can um, put in perspective to be redundant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've got a, uh, another caller, but this one's pre-recorded. Um, I got in touch with Chael Sonnen, and he was going to come on, but schedules didn't line up, so we just went ahead and re-recorded this yesterday. And uh, Tyler, whenever you're ready, uh, producer, go ahead and kick us in, and uh, we'll listen to Mr. Chael P. Sonnen. Chael Sonnen, hey, thanks so much for being here. Um, How's everything in your world? What's happening, Bader? Everything in my world's great. Yeah. Um, How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm here at home, spending most of my days at home, going in the, in the mornings to the studio to, to shoot a little show, which this will appear on tomorrow. Um, but obviously, with the whole whole coronavirus thing, what's what's your world like? Are you at home? Are you out and about? Are you so, a mix of things? Yeah, I'm sitting this one out, buddy. I got to tell you, it's it's it hasn't affected me in the slightest, and I don't mean to say that lighthearted. I, I, I know different people with varying degrees of concern, but you asked me per- to personalize it. No, I'm going. I just got done with practice, and uh, nothing has changed in my world. Practice? Um, Was that your club, or what is, is that college? We, I was college? at the gym. No, I was at, I was at the jiu-jitsu gym. Oh, sure. We, we, had, a, we had a noon grappling practice. Oh, wow. So the is the the gym's obviously open. Is what's the like? Is the town or the restaurants open? Is everything? Everything's open, and I I believe that you can't uh, go in like to a restaurant and sit down with your family or with other people. I think you could. I think it's for to go orders only. Sure. That was ordered by the governor a few days ago. But everything's open. I was at Starbucks this morning, had a coffee, had a sandwich for lunch. All all out and about. Are you at least, are you high fiving people? Are you doing the social distance? Are you 
No, not really. I mean, I wouldn't want to go out of my way and make somebody else uncomfortable. I mean, I'm a handshaker myself, but I think that it's important to kind of respect some of the stuff we hear. It, it's pretty aggravating, quite frankly. I mean, no, nobody knows what's going on, and it can be frustrating that nobody will come out and say, man, we don't know. I mean, I, I watched a guy on the news that was an infectious disease doctor for 30 years, and he was, you know, just get through it till the warm weather. It'll go away in the warm weather. In the same statement, Peter, Three seconds later, he identifies the country of Iran as the second most plague-known place on Earth. Iran is 112 degrees right now. So you don't have to be a doctor. You just have to have a little bit of logic to understand. It doesn't go away with the warm weather. And it doesn't make sense to tell people that it will. They don't know. And saying we don't know this is brand new is okay. Don't try to impress me because you're a doctor. Because I'll ask you one simple question, which is, when's the first time you heard of corona? And he will tell you 23 days ago, and I'll say, well, guess what, Doc? Me too. So you and I have the same experience. Sure. Um, you know, what were your thoughts? What do, is... you mean, what do you mean? What do you mean, sure? I just <laughs> blew your mind. You, you can't get that kind of an analysis anywhere. Well, I think That's I'll, not I'll on count the TV. It. That's I... right here with you, Bader, right I... here at Flow. <laughs> the only place you're going to hear that. I, I, I hear I mean, cor sure. corona has actually existed just in different forms. It's COVID-19 that's, that's different, right? And they've had coronaviruses yeah, in the past. That's what people like to say. They, they keep saying that. But then, they, I mean, it was four days ago they told us that it, it's not as uh, powerful on young people. They've now corrected that statement. They also, three days ago, tried to say it was like chicken pox. And if you get it once, you can't get it again. And they corrected that statement, too. There is nothing wrong with simply saying, we don't know. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, as, as far as this with, with the wrestling, right, um, when did you start to get a sense that something was going awry and – and maybe, you know, when they had said no fans at the NCAs, did you think it would get worse? Or were you like, man, that sucks, but uh, no big deal. They're going to wrestle. Well, I'll tell you, everything's been different for me in hindsight. You know, you when it very first happened, and this was kind of a fast decision. I mean, the NBA was deciding to pull out. And you were starting to see the trend go that way. And even the NCAA first, they go, look, we're going to do it, but we're just not going to have fans. And then it seemed like the hysteria grew a little bit or maybe the intelligence grew a little bit. So I didn't really see that coming, Bader. The big problem that I had, if any problem, in fairness, I mean, it was a leadership decision. Somebody had to make a decision, and they did. But I was a little bit bothered that it was canceled as opposed to postponed. I mean, as long as you hold it in 2020, you got, a lot, you got eight months left to hold that thing. So I don't know if they're planning to cancel – the first part of the 2021 season. I mean, look, if there's resolute in tournaments ever going to happen within this calendar year, you got to hold that tournament. I would love to see that tournament held um, in an official or, or unofficial capacity. Um, but I, I don't know what the answer is at this point. I'm not going to act like I have any <laughs> – know what the hell is going on more than what you can hear on the yeah, news. Yeah, and I think that's good. I mean, I think if that's that. ultimately the premise what you and I are doing. Man, we don't know. So I'm not – people don't have to be like me and, and – be as panicked as you want, but just understand we don't know. And, Bader, what about what I just said? I mean, why cancel the tournament as opposed to postpone it? Wouldn't that seem a little bit more reasonable? All you have to do is hold it in 2020. Hey, I, I, I'm all for that. You know, I, I, I'm not a decision maker within the NCA. I don't know what those logistics and or process the regulation state. And, and frankly, in, this case, in a case like this, I think it's okay to break process. It's okay to break, like, some rules you have set in place for, like, a special circumstance, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I would. I mean, they're talking about with this with the Olympics as well. And if you have to postpone the Olympics is one thing, but to cancel the Olympics. I don't even know why that word is coming up. Why wouldn't you just postpone it and make it later? Well, you know, even, the, even if it has to be a year later. I mean, it's not as though it has to take place in, in July and August of, of 
every four years. It's just not true. That's just been the way to, to your point, special circumstance, hold in 2021, but you don't cancel it. And you know, it, what we're hearing is what we're hearing. It's who knows how accurate it is, but I'm hearing that it will, it won't be postponed the Olympics that it'll either be canceled or excuse me. It'll be like a year or two later. It won't be like, all right, we're going to do it later in 2020. There's seemingly no way to do that with, I guess, everything you have to organize for something as big as the Olympics. Yeah, man, the, the people that do the Olympics are the laziest people in the world. And I know that they like to always impress us that they have to go to work one time in every four damn years. It's not that hard to organize things. It's just not. And you hear that all the time. Then when somebody pulls off the Olympics, they, they want this big crowning award that, you know, what a great opening ceremony. And blah. Dude, you, you had four years and you did one job. I'm not impressed. Hold the event, bring the referees and the athletes, and let's figure this thing out. Hand out the medals and go home. Work again in four years. But don't think that you're getting an award because you organized something. Come on. Sure. Uh, <laughs> a lot of shorts here. So I want to go back to me. You're not, you're not really concerned about this. You're going about – your daily life completely as, as would be. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I don't want to sound like a foolish guy about it either. I'm just, I'm just sharing with you that I, I haven't led a little uh, soft and prissy life. You know, I, I've done things way more dangerous than, than going out in public and getting something that could possibly make me sneeze. I'm not being uh, irrational or irresponsible. I have children. I have lots of, I don't want to get this and pass this to somebody else. People have different varying degrees, but I am a gangster and I could not care less that there's something going around. That's going to make me cough. I'm just being honest with you. Okay. I mean, yeah, it seems to be something bigger than that, but if that's your opinion, that's fine by me. Um, let's talk wrestling, like NCAA wrestling. What disappoints you the most without getting, you know, I didn't get to see blank play out at the NCAA championships and you were really hoping to. <laughs> 133. If I had to say what disappoints me most, 133, you know, that thing, that thing was musical chairs to the highest of levels. I think we even saw that at the Big Ten. I think for a body of work, Seth Gross proved that he's the best wrestler. Could have he wanted on that day? I don't know, man. I don't know. The, Austin wasn't going anywhere, and Austin probably wasn't likely to win it, but Austin's going to be a fight for whoever gets him. Uh, Roman Bravo Young has looked amazing and frankly has looked amazing ever, ever since he busted on the scene as a cadet and took out sammy say so at the at the world trials surprised everybody in like the quarterfinal round but I, i'm just saying 133 uh i really wanted to see i wanted mark hall to have an opportunity you know because he was a senior and i also think what kremer went through and coming back uh yeah there was a lot of moving parts and a heavyweight for the first time in 20 years was a fun class yeah absolutely um and, and if you look at the team race, right, it looked like Iowa was going to have that thing locked up. Um, do, you know, if there's no eligibility forgiveness, which is looking less like there, there might be, is this um, – what does this say about – not say about Spencer Lee, how tragic or not is this that Spencer can't potentially be a four-time national champ? Um, he would probably be the, the least of the casualties. I mean, that would be an incredible thing. And for a guy to want to go out there and, and add hardware, I think is a very special thing. I don't want to be calloused to it, but I would think for a guy that's got two national titles and he's still got a year to go. Um, I, I wouldn't think that that would be one of the bigger blows. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, I would think like what happened to Kremmer would, would trump that just by example. And as for the idea of giving some kind of eligibility eligibility relief or whatever they're calling it, do you think that's something they should even consider or nah? I, I like that theme very much, yes. I, I mean, I think you need to hold the tournament. 
I can't say that enough times. Why you would cancel a tournament as opposed to postpone a tournament. And I understand that we don't know what's going on right now and it wouldn't do us any good to set a date. But back to my earlier point, it's not that hard to organize these events. You really don't have to do a whole lot but send out an email. The schools kind of take it from there. Get an arena, roll up the mats. I mean, obviously there's more to it than I'm saying, but not a whole lot, man. It's not all that hard of a thing. You need to hold that tournament. I really hope they hold it just on a personal level. Uh, Vader, I have friends that were on the 1980 Olympic team that got boycotted. They're still drunks and drug addicts to this day. They have never recovered from that blow. And to take this from these kids, you know, particularly from amateurs, this is a totally different deal if it's the NBA or it's the NHL. It's a totally different deal. These these are kids and they're amateurs and they sacrificed and they did it for the right reasons. I think you need to do everything in your power to hold the tournament. I don't mind the forgiveness angle and let them all come back, but you are stalling people's lives now. And by the way, who are you going to give the forgiveness to? Just the seniors, like has been discussed, or just the guys that made the tournament? You got to give it to everybody. There's backups in the room right now that are juniors waiting for an All American to to retire, or graduate. You know, I'm I'm just saying it's it's a mess. I don't have the answers. It's a mess. It's frustrating. I think they should do everything they can to hold the tournament. Interesting, you just said about the 1980 Olympic team, and you don't have to name any names, but it, it's it's really you think that that. What happened in 1980 is, has, has affected these guys to the point where their lives are not great? That's what they claim. I mean, I got to take them at their word. They say, yeah, that's, that's when they went off the deep end. They sacrificed everything. They had no resume to fall back on. They, they, they hung their hat on a dream and an opportunity of which they had the right. They won the right to go do. Carter screwed it up for everybody, and we didn't go. Have you ever, uh, wrestling or fighting or whatever, had a, 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 an event, a Probably a big event canceled. Uh, no, I don't think I ever had to go through that. Um, Something you're looking forward to? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because that would suck. <laughs> yeah, that ever happened to you? Uh, I don't. No, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a rare thing. It's a maybe there, very rare thing. Maybe you know? there was a snowstorm one year and we had, had a wrestling tournament canceled, but not not at final finality, end of the year type thing for sure. Hey, Vader, by, by the way, let's stay on this topic of giving forgiveness because I haven't even heard that really being discussed. They, they're discussing it for uh, spring sports, but yeah. wrestling falls under winter sports. I haven't heard that, that they're planning to do anything for the wrestlers. Am I behind on something? No, I don't think so. You're probably ahead because uh, right at the very beginning, it might have been the day, it happened all last Thursday, I think, and on Thursday or Friday, I believe there was some information going around that they were considering giving spring sport and potentially winter sport athletes some kind of eligibility relief. I've since, I think as lately, as soon as yesterday or as lately as yesterday, I think I read something that said, they're not doing it, and it's either they're not or most likely not for winter, and that they're still considering it for spring. So that tells me that it just gets so messy with scholarships, and like you said, the, the freshman or the junior who's waiting for the guy to graduate and money. I don't know. This, this, what are they? Are they still in school? Have they graduated? How do you, so the Ivy Leagues and the military? They can't take fifth or sixth year wrestlers, so athletes and. Do you apply it to everybody? Do you just apply it to some? I don't know. Sure. I, I, see it, the problem? I see, see the, the problem. problem which, which ultimately comes back to hold the tournament. <laughs> to find a play and hold, we got to hold the tournament. Hold the tournament. All right. Yeah, let's hold it. Do and I, I don't mean now, Peter. I don't, I don't no, mean no, now. No, no, you I mean, mean I, in the I, summer. I really, and... 
I think the leadership had a very hard decision to make, and I, I really don't fault them for it. I just wish, I want to make sure that I make this clear, in all fairness, this is a hard decision, but I do wish that instead of cancel, we use the word postpone. I, I don't understand. It's a 2020 championship. There's eight months left in 2020. I think that it was a little uh, knee-jerk reaction to just cancel it. Um, okay, speaking of postpones, right? Um, postponements. The trials has been postponed and not canceled, obviously, probably because the Olympics isn't canceled. Um, same question, I kind of, as, as the NCAAs, what do you, I mean, gosh, it's so deep. You take all the weights, you, you crunch them into six. What excites you the most about the 2020 U.S. Olympic trials? Oh, what excites me the most? The same thing that should be exciting everybody. Cox versus Schneider. Absolutely. And that's that's only the encore. You still have the main event before that, which is Burroughs versus Dake. Right? What did, I mean, yeah. This is this is great. So not to mention what's going to happen with Nikki Freestyle. You know, there yep. was rumors that Nikki Freestyle was trying to get an Italian passport and he was going to buy it bypass the whole thing i don't know if that's true or not but i would love to see him in the mix i love watching him and gross uh wrestle at the bill farrell just by example i mean it was a fantastic match yeah dayton fix i realize is now being removed from it but you got gilman in there and I, there's a lot with spencer, spencer. Enter it. it would look like spencer was considering he won the u.s open um hey thank, thank goodness for spencer that he didn't wait and say i'll just win an ncaa title and get qualified because that's yeah that's not gonna happen yeah, no, I fully agree with that. I, there would have been some great matches. I mean, just some some fantastic matches. I I like Derringer up at eighty five, by the way. Yeah, eighty six. You know, he's a little bit hit or miss. I understand that at that weight class, but I I think he's got the right to get used to it. I think he's got the right to grow and get used to some of that strength. I mean, he could give everybody problems, including Taylor. Yeah, yeah, it could be, that that would be interesting. What did you think when you heard that? It was it was several months ago that. that Kyle Snyder's leaving Ohio State for basically their biggest rival in the world, Penn State. I was very surprised. And I talked to some guys on the team going, hey, if I'm feeling this, and I'm just a fan, but if I'm feeling that this is highly awkward and surprising, what, what, what's the word in Ohio State? And, yeah, they, they said, man, it, it caught them off guard. They did not – they didn't see that coming. And then, and then the follow-up, uh, it's like you bring Jaden Cox in to, to fill the void – for for Kyle Snyder, did that surprise you at all that Ohio State went right after him? Or I don't know who went after who, but... I, I loved it, personally. I loved the drama behind it. I didn't know where Cox was going to go. I got real excited when Cox finally made that decision that he was going to go 97. I was hearing through the grapevine, and I think you were one of the people that I discussed this with, but the rumor was he was going to go down, that, yeah. that making that weight wasn't so hard. He was going to go back in the mix with Taylor, which would have been great and exciting. I personally didn't agree with the two out of three that they had. I thought Taylor got shorted a couple of years ago. I was just looking forward to that that battle and that rivalry. But I, I think as far as drama goes, I wish Ohio State would have steered into it a little bit more. It would have added a little bit more. But uh, I guess when you have the world champ versus the world champ, the storyline's kind of built. You like drama? I love it. Really? I love it in the sport. In I'm joking. The sport of wrestling because it, it helps to bring eyeballs. I mean, I remember right where I was uh, at midnight when Ohio State announced as a New Year's treat to everybody that uh, Snyder was coming back and he was coming at heavyweight and he was coming after Gwiz. I mean, the, the whole – never been a more exciting time in wrestling than that. I remember that specifically. I was at the Southern Scuffle, which was starting the next day. I was in a hotel room with – 
all the flow guys I was with are all on, you know, on our computers doing whatever before the night before. And sure, sure enough, somebody said that. Where were you? I was wearing pajamas as a new family tradition my wife started, which is on New Year's. We all wear pajamas and then go out to dinner. So I had my mom with me, my wife with me, my kids with me. We're all in pajamas looking like fools. And Ohio State put this out, and they kind of teased it, but nobody saw the Schneider thing. They just said, we have a New Year's announcement. Now, we didn't know that was going to drop straight up at midnight. It dropped on the dot at midnight. I was sitting at Morton's. I was having a steak and a potato, and my phone went off. And then I started call- I called uh, <laughs> Frank Papalizio about 30 times trying to wake him up. No, Frank's- Frank goes to bed early. You're not going to get a – especially no. he's on the East Coast. That's right. He's on the – okay. Uh, 97 kilos, if and when the trials happens, if and when this is your finals, Cox versus Snyder, who you got? Uh <laughs> It would be very hard for me to imagine that Schneider gets beat twice in the same day. And that's what would have to happen. But here's the problem. Cox's offense is amazing. But Vader, without question, Jaden Cox in the world has the best defense on earth right now. You can't get a point on him. You can't push him out of bounds. You could have his leg, and but you can't get them both you can i mean (laughs) defense is unbelievable so how schneider going to score particularly with cox is all sweaty and dripping and he's got schneider's old coaches in his ear telling him the tendencies and and what to look for i mean there's a lot on that it is very very hard to predict i think that cox is a little bit faster because he's a little bit smaller i don't think either of them has condition issues i mean that would have been really great to to convince me without seeing it that an American could beat Schneider twice in one day, that's just hard for me to imagine. Okay. You st- I think you're picking Schneider. But was, well, you kinda, um, okay, same question. I kind of hedged on that, didn't I? I yeah, I, I mean, you kind of said Schneider. But, Bader, that's a hard one. I mean, I've watched those guys wrestle before. I've watched them wrestle many times. So I think three yeah. times I've seen those guys wrestle. And so I can see that Schneider, you know, and then there's some rumors coming out of the training camp that over the summer Schneider was doing better in the live goes. And a lot of that is why people were predicting that, hey, Cox is going to go down. Well, Cox had a different opinion of those live goes, apparently. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Same question. 74 kilos. Okay. I, <laughs> but you got to hear me out. Look, I don't know if Burroughs can win the Olympics. I don't know. I do fully believe that if Dake made the team, Dake brings the, the gold medal home. But then it comes back to can Dake get through Burroughs and the way they were going to bracket that to start Dake off in the semis likely means that he's going to have to go through Imar before he even gets to Burroughs. Dake has openly said, I'm sick of going through anybody before I wrestle this guy. Yeah. So he might have a leg up. Maybe he could chalk that up to a good hard warm-up. I don't know. Um, and by the way, getting through Imar is not, it's not a little hard to do as well. But if we're just assuming that he does, I would pick Dake. And I got to tell you, in fairness, I've picked Dake every time they've wrestled, and I've been right once. <laughs> you picked him, like, back in 2013? Picked him every time. Well, so they went out and – yeah, I did. But you'll remember, Dake goes through the whole tournament, meets Burroughs in the finals, and that, he, that was the one where he threw him. And yep. Dake would have won – under the old rules, but the old rules were old by that day. They started the new rules that day. And I think it was like a 6-6 tie, but it, it went to Burroughs or something like that, if I have it right. But the point is... So it yeah, went to overtime. Saw that, yeah, was that what it was? They had overtime. 
so when I saw that and go, okay, and Dake's tired, and history says the younger guy, the younger stud comes in and wins. I mean, that's just what history says. Yeah, man, I'm blown away. Burroughs is so good. Ugh. Burroughs is so good. He's so good. I, I mean, what are we, 20, 20, 10 years ago, nobody could have could have seen Jordan Burroughs to, to take off and, and be what he's been. It's, it's been really eye-opening to see a guy go from a, a really good college senior in like three months to the best guy on the planet for like 10 years. Eight nine years. Yeah. So hats off to him. Um, well, what about Burroughs on a bad day? Burroughs goes into the World Championships and like breaks his ankle or something uh, in the first round. He wraps his whole foot up like a cast and comes back and gets a bronze. That's on a bad day. He's third in the world. Come on, come on. That's unbelievable. Or even yeah. this Russian that's given him problems, but it's the semifinals both years. It's the same score both years, and the guy pushes him out of bounds with less than two seconds left both years. I mean, that, that's a bad day, Jordan Burroughs. He's third in the world. Which, by the way, he plays third. He was second. He was the second best guy in the world those two times he got third. Yeah, every and he took third in um, 2014, losing to Sargush in the semis, and I would very much argue the exact same thing. He's, he's top one or two guys in the world every single year. I don't think so. What's up? I don't. I don't think he ever lost to Sargush at the Worlds. Yeah, I do. Mm. <laughs> In fourteen, Tashkent, Uzbekistan. No. What do you want to bet? Ah, uh, you you name it, because I'm all in. I'm betting the house. Okay. I was thinking much more of like you know a cup of coffee, <laughs> lunch. I don't know that I want to bet the house, but yeah, let's um, go fifty push-ups. No, he never he never lost to Sargush at the World Championships. That's false. Um, Taylor, you're you're wrong. He hurt his knee against. No. <laughs> not only am I not wrong, not only am I not wrong. Burroughs didn't lose to anyone in fourteen. He won the gold. No, no, he won the gold in eleven, twelve, thirteen, and but that's four- not my bet for the record. My bet <laughs> is only that it wasn't. Not that he won the gold. I'm claiming he did, but I'm not betting. I'm betting he never lost to Sargush at a Worlds. Okay, I'll take that bet. What do you want? What do you want to bet? A meal. A meal. A reasonable meal. Okay, next time I see you, it's on you. We we have to prove it for we have to get the evidence. I mean, do you want me to like just look it up right now and send you a link? I just know it. I was there. I remember that he hurt his knee in the in the first match, made it to the semis, lost like nine nothing. He had his knee all wrapped up. But we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll after. Yes, uh. he did. Sargush went after that bad leg and got him in a leg lace. That did happen. But did that happen at the Worlds in 2014? Hmm. Yes. Well, let's look it up. I'm curious now. There's nothing you to look up. Right now, we can let the audience know later. We'll, we'll settle this. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. For sure. Hey, you want to know who kicked Sargush's ass? And he did it with one hand. Was Kyle Dake? Yeah, that, that was Kyle in like. Dake, remember that day? Twenty thirteen was broke or something, but he wrapped it up. I mean, it was unusable. It wasn't like tape. It, 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 he all his fingers were gone. He texts our goose ten zero. Yeah, that was in. Uh, Might have been Baku. I, I forget. It was like a, a Grand Prix or something. Yeah, heard it like the day before. So. Yep. He's a killer, right? Both both guys. A lot of guys we got at seventy four. A lot of guys we got at all these weights are killers. Another really, but Dake really never got credit for that win. By the way, like he never really got credited for that. Sargush was a two time world champion who was given Burroughs problems. Dake yeah. has one hand and finished him. I felt like that was one of the bigger wins ever. One of the bigger upsets in international wrestling that year. I really felt like it just kind of went under the radar, which 
it shouldn't have. Well, you know, back then with a lack of video, you know, now everything's got a video. You can go back and see it wherever, you know, YouTube, us, whoever. Um, back then it's like, okay, you heard about it, but you didn't get to see it, which made it less real to reading about it and watching the video of it. It's kind of different things, right? Yes. Um, okay, one more really fun U.S. Olympic trials weight class is 65 By the kilos. way. Yeah, go ahead. By the way, I think I owe you a meal. This yeah, is, I like this is coming. This is coming back to me now. Yeah, I take my steaks medium. Yeah, or actually, I, medium rare. Me. Yeah. And then when Burroughs made the team the next year, he teched Dake in like 41 seconds, took him down, laced him, and went home. And he said to the microphone, Sir Goosh, I'm coming for you. That and sounds right. Awesome. That sounds yeah. right, actually. <sighs> Man. Okay, good. I'll take you up on that meal next time. It'll, it'll be Boom. a good one. Um, well done. Maybe some red wine. Um, 65 kilos, U.S. Olympic trials. Can you give me – well, for, yeah, let's just, let's just go with that. Well, how do you think that's going to go? We still got to qualify the weight. but we First off, first off, the question is, was Pico going to enter? And there was a strong rumor that he was going to pop in. Now, he ended up not doing that. But um, to think that one of the best guys isn't even entering the tournament, what, what's, come on, that weight class historically, Bader, that is the most fun weight class to watch year in and year out. It is iron on iron. I think that you're going to have <clears throat> a very hard time beating Zane. Uh, Zane just seems to kind of have everybody's number. I think that if you saw what Jordan Oliver did this year, and I know that you did, that it was just flat amazing. He deserved the OW that, that he won. Um, and you can't really ever count out Yanni. I mean, it's it's a mess, man. And then McKenna will come in and ruin the ruin the day as well. <laughs> so I mean, McKenna's going to beat somebody. Yeah, he might beat two or three somebody's, but McKenna's going to ruin the party somewhere in that bracket. I mean, you're talking about a, a, a junior world silver medalist, so he's um, a, a very accomplished guy who could definitely make some noise at that weight class. Um, last, what thing, do you think there, though? I mean, Jo, it's really hard to deny what he did, right? Absolutely. I mean, the Jordan Oliver that we saw in, at Fort Worth at Senior Nationals back in December, if that same guy shows up, I'm – if that same guy shows up, he's my pick. If Jordan shows sure. up and he's the same guy and he's, he looks like that, he's going to be tough to beat. And I say but that – you look, Yanni, if you look at the history, the American history of that weight class, how hard it is, how close it is, how many studs we have, how many medals we brought home, nobody texts their way through the U.S. Open at that weight class. It just doesn't happen. He teched everybody. Yeah. And they all showed up, by the way. I know the bracket unfolded in a different way than a lot of people thought, but they all showed up. Yeah. No, he's, he, he's on fire right now. So we shall see how that transpires. Okay. Back to NCAA wrestling real quick. Football stadium in Minneapolis was the plan. Did you love it? Did you hate it? Did you care? Didn't care about the venue. I cared about the event. Yeah, man. I, I count the days down. No, yeah, but you didn't, ca you didn't care about... The idea of having it on a football field, more fans, or might be super spread out. A lot of people had opinions. They hated it. Some people were excited for it. Did you care? You didn't care. I didn't care, but I, I got to, in all fairness, I did not know that until you just said it. I did not know that it was on a football field and all of that. So how about that? So, so I'll lay it out for you, right? The last how, 10, 20 years, it's been in basketball arenas, right? 15, 17,000. Pittsburgh, particularly, there was a, a big shortage Right, last year was in Pittsburgh. A huge shortage. Every team was asking for like twice what they could get, and then this year, it, I mean, they do four-year chunks. So last year this was already planned, but they were going to do it in the football stadium at Minneapolis. 
eight mats on the field and fans in the stands, 30 maybe to 40,000. But if you think about is it too small? Are the fans too far away? I know I'm just throwing this at you right now. Can you even wrap your head around it and kind of imagine what it might be like? It sounds really hard. Um, the last NCAAs that I went to live was 2014, and I was in a suite. Uh, and so that, that sounded so great. Oh, my God. We're going to have a suite. We've got our own bathroom. We're catered. We're going to have food. Vader, I couldn't see a damn thing. <laughs> I was too far away. I could not see anything. And um, so, yeah, I think to your point that are you too far back? Yeah, I think so. I love that people go to the NCAA's life. I love what a reunion and a party it is and wrestling and they love it and the whole bit. I have more fun watching it on ESPN, I got to tell you. Well, then the, oh, then in that case, you sh it shouldn't matter or you should even want it to be at a bigger stadium because then you have more fans have the ability and access to come watch the event live, which should hopefully grow the amount of people that like wrestling and, and are interested in it. And then you can just sit at home with your – cocktail or your fruit cocktail and enjoy yeah. well and particularly in minnesota i mean what a great place to put it on you know some wrestling events have been selling out lately iowa does well they've sold, sold some events out minnesota border brawls sells out penn state's been selling out but i mean minnesota is rich in tradition not not to mention all the people that would fly in I mean, it's the ncaa's but yeah i think they would have packed that place all right um we're right at about a, a half an hour and it says pause so maybe this is a great time Oh, no, no, no. Hey, and by the way, you know, you were a bit of a dick to me earlier, okay? Well, you think I just can't remember every time Burroughs and Sargouche wrestled? Burroughs has lost five damn matches, okay? So you lost five matches in ten years. You got me on that one. Give me some more. Come on. You, Tell you me how you feel. You got me on that one. You got me on that one, but I thought it was a little rude that you didn't then, like, throw a little praise back my way for calling day canned injured beat Sargush at a Grand Prix, teched him, got no credit. Hold that off the top of my head. You got me today. I, I will, you must admit, I'm, I'm a worthy adversary. You are, you are a wrestling aficionado, no, no doubt. You brought up the Nikki Gross match. You brought up the OW for J.O. I know you're paying attention. I'm just busting your chops. And I know you have uh, thick enough skin that you can take it. That's right. Bring it on, baby. Awesome. Chael, you're the man. You got any parting words? No, but there's a new joke going around. What okay. is six feet tall dashing and disappears in an instant? That one. He yeah. just hung up. Yeah. But uh, the always entertaining Chael Sonnen. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like maybe 85% of what he said is the truth and 50% yeah. is theatrics. Or I don't. Yeah. I don't know when he's being 100% himself and when he's playing a character or if there really is a difference. Um, Lots to unpack. <laughs> Lots to unpack. No doubt. So, But we're really good to hear from Chael, and hopefully he's going to get with the social distancing thing because it does <laughs> seem to be kind of an issue lately. So, um, yeah, we'll move on because we have just about, I think, 27 or so minutes left. Our last and final guest of the morning is going to be Tony Ramos. <laughs> Assistant coach at UNC. What are you, are you in your garage? You in your driveway, Tony? What you doing? I'm outside. I'm in my driveway. Uh, kids just got done playing and they went inside, so it's quietest out here right now. Uh, is the neighborhood like quiet? Are are kids and neighbors out, or are they pretty much everybody kind of in, inside their home? It looks like a nice day. Um, everyone's out and around. It's beautiful out here. It's about 80 degrees. Uh, our houses are only four feet apart, so you know neighbors next door. And, 
kids all over the place. We're going for walks all over, and you see people everywhere. So we're keeping our six feet away, but, you know, it's hard to just stay locked up in the house all day. Yeah, I bet. Um, I assume, like most people, you spent the majority of your week at home? Yeah, it's been uh, a weird week overall. You know, our guys are gone. They've been advised to stay home and not come back. They're going to go to remote uh, classes, so everything's going to be online. And then just a couple days ago, you know, they really shut us down from going to work. They uh, requested for us to kind of stay home and do as much as we could from home unless we were mandatory reporting employees. Um, And then the other hard part is the recruiting process right now. It's on a dead period, uh, so there's not a whole lot we can really do. Um, what are you doing? You, you wake up, eat a bowl of cereal or whatever, you know, like you got, you got 16 hours to fill. You guys playing trades, tic-tac-toe. I don't know. My wife is, uh, been really good with the kids while I was gone. So I'm spending a lot of time with them now, which has been nice. Um, we wake up in the morning, have breakfast, and then she kind of puts them through a mini preschool session. Uh, AJ, his preschool got canceled, so he's done with that for right now, and we want to keep him sharp. Um, so she spends the first couple hours with them doing some activities, things like that. And then around 11 o'clock, I come down from doing some work, and I do the science projects with them and take them outside to play before lunchtime before they take their naps. Professor Ramos, tell me about these science projects. Yeah, that's what I want to know. <laughs> the other day, we um, we did the baking soda with vinegar and made a little volcano. They loved it. I did it a couple times. Um, yesterday we did like a scavenger hunt around the neighborhood trying to find, uh, some insects and things like that. And then today I told them pulling weeds was science. So they helped me pull some weeds. And they learned <laughs> okay. I, I pulled a bunch of weeds at, at my house as well. Cause, uh, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> there's um, not much to do. So you might as well make the house look good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's. Let's kind of rewind back to last weekend as this kind of all started to come undone mid midweek, I guess. Um, when, when they said no fans, what was your thought? Did you think, wow, that's crazy, but okay, there'll be no fans? Or did could you see further down the road and be like, man, I just don't know after they say no fans. That's still a, a few days away or a week away or whatever it was. No, it was a few days. Uh, I didn't think, you know, I wasn't surprised by the no fans. And we were told early in the week by our admin, you know, be prepared. They might cancel the tournament. Um, honestly, I didn't think that would ever happen. Uh, I thought just, you know, let the athletes in, let the coaches in. And, you know, I wasn't very educated on the situation, all of what was going on. I was just more focused on getting our guys ready to wrestle and, you know, having them prepared for when their names were called. Um but as it started to go through, when it really kind of hit me that this was a possibility is when they started canceling the NBA season and then the NHL season and then every other pro season that, you know, you could think of. And I was sitting there like, man, this might not happen. But, you know, I still got to go in and do my job every day, get the guys ready to go and make sure they're prepared, you know, just in case this does still go on with no interruptions. And what was that dynamic like walking in, you know, doing your best to be like, I'm just here to get them prepared. But in the back of your mind, like, you know what could be a reality. Uh, for me, I've kind of been in this situation before, so it was pretty easy. And it wasn't a situation more so with, you know, a pandemic going on. Uh, 2015 U.S. Open, I think it was, uh, like three days before, I herniated a disc in my neck. And I wasn't going to be able to compete. And Terry still had me make weight, still had me preparing like I was going. 
and just in case for some crazy reason I felt good and was able to compete. The night before, I called him. I said, hey, my neck feels good. I'm coming out. I flew out, went out and wrestled and won it. Um, wow. So I've been through the situation before where, you know, you might not know if you're going, but there's still that chance. So for me going in and getting these guys ready, it wasn't more so thinking about this getting canceled. It was more so, you know, you got an opportunity in front of you. It might happen. It might not happen. But if your name's called or if you step on that mat, you want to be prepared. And I want to have my guys prepared. And that was kind of what I kept preaching to him the whole time because, you know, there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of Twitter. There was a lot of different things these guys were hearing from different, you know, people and different media outlets. And it's hard for them to train through it. You know, I had a few guys ask me, you know, I just want to know, is it canceled or are we competing so I can get my mind right? And I had to sit down and kind of talk to them and say, hey, your mind needs to be right, ready to compete the whole time. If it's canceled, you know, then we'll go down that route. But right now you, you prepare like you're going. Yeah. Tony, there were a, a few, maybe a couple hours where I think the ACC announced no schools could compete, and that was even before the tournament was canceled. What, what did those hours feel like? Uh, for me, it was different because I was actually in the middle of running my practices, and I kept hearing hearsay, and I kept hearing you know, from the people on their phones and on the side like, hey, ACC just canceled, and Coleman the whole time was on conference calls you know, nonstop all day. So I'm in the room getting these guys ready and putting guys through workouts. And I was in the middle of a workout, you know, with one of our guys when Coleman walked in and said, hey, it's bringing in guys need to let you know ACC is not letting us go. Um, the tournament's still going on at the time, but we can't compete in it. And that was hard and that was tough. Uh, it's probably one of the toughest things I've ever seen someone have to tell a group of people and a group of guys who worked so hard for a goal. Um and just watching some of these guys emotionally, you know, break down and having to be there to support them. It was hard. It was super hard. And that's kind of what you said. It echoes a lot of the coaches and athletes we've been talking about. Just that moment of getting the news and a lot of emotions swirling around was, you know, I guess you said Coleman brought the group in. Was there, was it just like, Hey, we're, it's done. Sorry. Did, did y'all stick around for a while? Did some guys finish their workout? Did some guys leave? Kind of what was that next, I don't know, minutes, hours like with, with you and the team? And maybe that's the last time you're going to be together for the season, which was like unexpected. Yeah, it was tough. Um, I know when I was putting Monday through his workout, uh, some guys had said, hey, ACC, they're not letting us go. And I told Kennedy, hey, keep going until I get an official word or until Coleman comes in here and tells us we're finishing this workout because yeah. you never know what could happen. Um, so I had him, you know, going through his workout, and you could just see, like, it was hard for him. It was a struggle because he's hearing that it's done. You know, there's no tournament. What's he training for? Right. Um, so that last 10, 15 minutes was tough, and I, I kind of helped him push through it, and we finished. And that's kind of when Coleman had came in and, sat everyone down and he was just at a loss for words you know that's a extremely hard thing to do um being the leader of a program and you know someone that these guys look up to he pretty much what he told them is guys the acc is not letting us go um you know i really this is one of the toughest things i've ever had to tell someone or do and if you guys whatever you need we're here for you and we stuck around for an, you know, an extra hour hour and a half talked to guys individually you know, some guys took it a lot harder than others. Uh, so we we just wanted to be there as much as we could. And then the day after, I reached out to a couple, you know, seeing how they were doing, making sure they're moving forward the right way. And then uh, right now, everyone's just back home with family and, you know, in places where they need to be. 
these next couple days are probably tougher than anything because the tournament was supposed to start yesterday. You're supposed to be wrestling today. And tomorrow night, you're supposed to be wrestling for a national championship. Uh, so we just need to stay on top of these guys and make sure, you know, their their minds are going to crazy places and they're staying smart and they're focusing on the right things. Yeah, I can't help but stare at this clock and say it's 11.15. We should be wrestling quarterfinals right now and guys are into the semis and guaranteed All-Americans and, you know, tonight's going to be great, the semis and blood night. Anyways, I don't mean to get off, <laughs> but um, Tony, as, as you described the situation to me, you know you're putting mon- Monday through a workout, and and then the rest of the guys come in, and, and so you're you and the coaching staff's focus is like attending to these kids and probably their emotional needs and and helping them deal with this as best they can. But you probably have this emotional pain too. But <laughs> your job's to help and not cope. At what point did you get to like? I know you still want to, and you're always probably continuously helping these kids, but at some point you got to sit back and like deal with it yourself, right? I don't think I have yet. Okay. Um, you know, I came home, and first thing when I walked in the house, my wife, she just came up to me, she gave me a big hug, and she's like, hey, I'm super sorry. And the first thing I said to her is, I'm okay. I feel bad for the kids. Um, so I don't know if I really personally coped with it and kind of gave myself some time to um, – really think about what happened because I'm more I'm more feeling for the guys still you know my feelings can be on the back burner now for this because um yeah I gotta help them cope but I and I need to help them get through it and I don't have time really to you know mostly take care of myself until they're done uh, and who knows this could go on for it could take some time and that's really the biggest thing I tell these guys it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt deep down it's gonna take some time but at one day in your life, you're going to be able to look back, and it might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week. It might be before next year. You're going to be at peace with this. And I'm not saying you got to be okay with what happened, but there's going to be some peace inside where you're going to be able to move forward. Um, so right now I'm just still focused on helping those guys get to that. You talked about uh, the guys on the team, and, man, you had a pretty successful ACC tournament, three champs, especially guys at 141 and 174 who, who weren't seated number one. Um, Talk about those guys and talk about how you felt like the, the team was kind of progressing heading into NCAAs. Yeah, I think that's what's the toughest is, you know, people see the results, the ACC champs, the, the season stuff. But people don't see the behind the scenes, the, the adversities that some of the guys overcame. And yesterday on Twitter, I kind of put some of the memories to me that are the greatest of the year. Uh, a guy like Clay Lout, who quit a year and a half ago after his, reg- or his true freshman year because he just didn't think he was cut out for it. And came back, and a year and a half later, he's an ACC. Another guy like Kennedy Monday, who had a season cut short, you know, last season, had to overcome some injuries and some obstacles, you know, to get back on the mat and to compete like he has been. And then you got a guy like Jamie Hernandez, who, uh, you know, made a life change to get down to 133 pounds and get himself in the lineup and to be able to compete at, you know, at the level he's been competing is awesome. You got Austin O'Connor, who's dedicated his life and who took a chance on us uh, when we weren't where we were at, who was going to be competing for a national title this weekend, and I believe he, he could have won it. And you feel for those guys, and it hurts, and it's hard, and you feel for the whole team because they've done some great things, and we feel like you know, we really haven't been able to prove ourselves nationally yet you know, in a tournament-based setting. We, we feel like we've done it dual-wise, but we want to do it tournament-wise. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
As far as, you know, they were they were supposed to host the, the tournament in Minneapolis at the football stadium. Big uh, venue, maybe. You're given, you know, there's there's trade-offs, right? More fans. Yeah. The, the in-house viewing experience maybe won't be as good. Um, did you have thoughts and opinions when they first announced it? Did they change it all throughout the course of till now or, or the other day? You know, I thought when they first announced it that we were going to have a really awesome setup. You guys ever seen how Syracuse plays basketball? I'm not sure, uh-uh. but I have. So in the Carrier Dome, they, they bring in bleachers and kind of put them, I don't know if it's like the 30 or the 40-yard line, and they put everyone in the corner in the bowl. So you can still get about 45, 50,000 people in there, uh, but everyone's kind of close to the mat, just like it would be in a hockey arena. Now, I thought they were going to do something like that, and then the back like 50 yards uh, where they put a curtain up, there would be really big corrals for each team, tons of workout space. So that was kind of my impression first when we went into this. And then as you started unfolding, you heard they were, you know, using the whole field. And the mats were going to be spread out. There were a lot of questions I had, you know, warm-up-wise, warm-up space. Um, you know, are we going to do the dog bone? Are they going to go down to, you know, three mats for the All-American matches? And is it, are they going to bring fans on the field or is it going to be just a big empty abyss? So I was, you know, I have my opinions on it and different feelings about it. And I think, you know, it was awesome that we shot for such a big venue, um, but it might have been too big. Okay. And the one thing I had heard, um, I forget where, I had heard it a couple times, though, that um, I heard this from coaches and, and people like that, um, that there was supposed to be, you know, with, with all the facilities and all the rooms inside of space, inside of a football arena, that there was supposed to be an abundance uh, warm-up space in the back. There was supposed to be a lot of room for teams to spread out and, I don't know, set up camp or kind of whatever you do. So I, I don't, I guess, have that confirmed. But that's what I had taken from um, some of the people who had gone and visited the stadium. So hopefully that would have been the case. Yeah, and that's what I was told too later on, that the, uh, underneath this enormous and there was really nothing to worry about. So that was good to hear too. Um, biggest thing for me is how the fans were going to kind of take it or – you know, if they were going to love it or not, their experience. Yeah, and like I said, I guess it's just a trade-off, right? Having more fans with not as good of an experience. And who knows, maybe you start at a football stadium, and this year you, you get 40, and four years from now you get 50, and eight years from now you get, you know, you fill it up with 60. So I definitely would have liked to seen it, um, them try to do it, but, well, they did try to do it, which is yeah, <laughs> didn't have really the opportunity. Cool. Yeah, didn't have the opportunity. Um, you know, as, as we shift our focus from – NCA to senior level and Olympic level. Um, do you think do you think the Olympics are going to happen? Do you not? Do you do you have do you have no idea? That one, it's tough. I'm on a couple of the committees right now, so I'm one of the athlete advisory uh, for, for wrestling. What? But I'm also USA on or from uh, UW. And I'm also on uh, USA Wrestling, but I'm also our rep for the Olympic Committee. So just yesterday, I was on a call with the Olympic Committee. Uh, we have weekly calls now about updates with the situation, what's going on. The hardest thing a lot of these athletes in every sport are having to deal with, and the questions they're asking is uh, periodization. You know, how are they supposed to train and timing-wise when they don't know when trials are, when they don't know when ranking tournaments, when they don't know when qualifying tournaments might be, um, and are they going to be able to put out their best product? Uh, I did see for the first time yesterday that a one of the Japanese committee members finally came out and said that they should probably postpone the tournament. Um, that was her recommendation, and that was a, a, pretty much along the same lines of, 
we're asking these athletes to, you know, come out and perform at their highest. And this event is really an event about world peace. Um, but there's not peace going on in the world right now. We're, we're fighting a pandemic. People are quarantined at home. You know, how are we going to go out and compete for something when this is going on back home? So I, I, we talked to Rich Bender earlier today. He was our first guest on the show. And I think he's on that same committee because he, he brought it up. And the more I hear, the less optimistic I get that we're going to have, have the Olympics this summer. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, it's tough. You know, our last athlete advisory call, they kind of gave us some information about the trials. And I know some of that, like, hey, can we at least have a four-week notice? You know, not just, hey, this is when the trials are going to be. What's fair notice for people to prepare and get ready for the tournament? Uh, but there's also a deadline. You know, when's the last day that the USOC thinks we should have the trials um, just in case there is an arbitration case like last year, things like that. Well, did, did, they, did they say, did anybody say what that last date may or may not be? They did say the date. I don't know if I'm allowed to give it out, so I'm going to leave it at that. All right. <laughs> I'm going to call you when we finish up. <laughs> All right. Tony, uh, just want to circle back to NCAAs for a second. Um, Chael Sonnen was on just a minute ago talking with Bader, and yeah. his his biggest complaint about this NCAA thing was that the tournament was just immediately canceled and not postponed. Did you get any rationale? Did you coaches get any rationale about why they elected to cancel it and not consider pushing it back? We did not, and I've asked Coleman a few times, and the hardest thing with our ADs is – the NCAA doesn't like call the ADs and have discussions with the ADs. Mm-hmm. You know, they, our ADs find out exactly when everyone else finds out. We get the same email. We get the same, you know, posts on social media. Uh, so there's really not a discussion. And I was pretty surprised it wasn't postponed and maybe, you know, done at a later time. But the more I hear about what's going on is they don't ever know when things might be right or how long it's going to take to slow this thing down. Uh, so that might be their rationale behind it. I wish we could have postponed it and maybe did it, you know, june july maybe even early august um but you know it's one of those things where we've really never heard about it kind of just like we haven't heard much about if guys are gonna get a year or not yeah um do you wish they would have postponed it i wish they would have you know i feel bad for a lot of these kids but at the same time you know there's some guys who knows how long you're gonna be able to keep them focused and training uh i don't know if you'd get the same product out of every one of the guys in the tournament I don't think you would, and and my my guess is the reason they canceled versus postponed is they've looked at the data and seen what's coming, and which we didn't see two weeks ago. But I think maybe they're further ahead of it now. It's like, hey, this is we're in for the long haul. Um, yeah. I don't think you'd be able to have the NCAA tournament before this summer. Yeah, but another thing you got to think about with the NCA, they're always student athlete first. Uh, the health and well being of the student athlete that comes first. And how how long, you know, right now we're all shut down for training. If they postpone this, you know, we're already in these 144 days or 130 days where you can train and all these different regulations. Um, so really the athlete well-being and wellness of the athlete, if we're asking them to train consistently up until this tournament, you know, are we putting them at risk for injuries? What kind of risk are we putting them at? So I think that's another reason they might have just canceled instead of postponing. Sure. seems like, too, there's a lot of complexity around, you know, we talked yesterday with Colin Moore about, like, NCAA violations. These seniors, maybe they want to go start 
uh, make money, making money, not just in a job, but, you yeah. know, a shoe endorsement or, you know, uh, getting signed by an RTC, things like that. So those, I don't know, seem like they'd also add some, some complications. Yeah. There's tons of complexity to it. Uh, and that's every situation you're going to look at from this. So who knows, are they going to make them as complex as they can? Or are they going to do the easy decision? So it kind of eliminates all the, the waterfall effect. Well, and that, I, I don't know if it's the easy decision, but, uh, uh, what to not have the waterfall effect? It seems like eligibility forgiveness is probably not going to happen. Would you agree? Oh, or do you I have any insight? It's happen. Yeah. The the one thing I'm hearing and what I'm seeing is reason Spring got it back is if you got injured, if you got hurt, you know you weren't in whatever it is your ten twenty percent of season, so you get your year back anyways. Uh, wrestling, we were way over that. You know, we had one tournament left. Their rationale is you guys. You know, competed a whole year. You just missed one event, and obviously, it's the biggest event what everyone trains for. So that's why it means more. Um, but to them, I think they're kind of looking at some. Of, if we fall under any of those guidelines, then I don't think we meet any of the criteria for any of us to get an extra year. Um, do you think the regular season should count for more than it than it does right now? When you get into this situation, I think you're. This helps the case a lot. Uh, I know a lot of coaches say you were training for March. March is all that matters. Well, guess what? Right where we're at right now, the season was huge, and that's really what mattered, you know, because that's what everyone's going to have to remember. Yeah. And, and David was kind of asking this question to some of the other guys. Like, does it feel like this? we had the season? Does it feel complete? Does do you, do you, Can you feel any closure from this year, or is it like this weird lingering like, ah, 2019-2020 started, but it never really finished? Right now, I can't, um, but I think for guys to fully move on from this, and even myself, you're going to have to find closure in it and find a complete list at some point, and that might be the start of the 2020-2021 season. You know, all right, it's over, we're moving on from it, um, or it might be just looking back and enjoying the memories of the season you had. You know, I know our team, we did some great things. We beat Virginia Tech in a big duel and an awesome duel at NC State. We had three of five ACC champs in the finals. Um, you know, we did a lot of good things. We're getting ready to announce our, you know, our awards for the awards banquet that would have happened, uh, which we can't have right now because everything's shut down, you know, hopefully in the next week or so. So we're doing as much as we can to have closure with the season and move on the right way. Um, all right. I, I, that's going to about do it with our time. Do you got any, any more questions there, David? No, just, man, really feeling for you guys and, uh, appreciate the work you guys are doing supporting athletes out there. Any parting no words? You, Any parting words, Tony? Biggest thing I can tell these guys, anyone listening, is like I said, with, even with my guys, you know, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt hard, and you're gonna come to peace with this at one day. And there's more in life than just wrestling. Uh, we got our chaplain Bob Schreiner, who reminds me every day: if you know you have the wrestling God, you, it's it's gonna let you down. So you know, keep moving on, keep looking forward to the good things, and remember all the lessons you learned from the sport because they're going to help you when you move on in life. You have a family, you have kids. You know, this is going to be small potatoes when it gets to there. All right, Tony, good words. Appreciate the time. Uh, best of luck with your science experiments the rest of the week, and uh, stay safe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, have a good day. Thanks, Tony. I mean, four for four today. I, I really enjoyed the guests we had. I felt like they gang- brought really good perspectives um, Chael's apparently a gangster and he's not scared. Yeah. I, myself, I'm going to take the other road and stay away from people. I mean, you know, yeah, more yeah. than this. But, um, yeah, we, we were hoping to have Mark Perry on the show. He had a last minute, 
cancellation. He's traveling to see his family. I he didn't specify. I assume he's driving from Iowa uh, back to Oklahoma. He did say he's going to come on. We'll make that up. So hopefully we can get that next week. We kind of have some guests lined up for next week too. Monday we'll have Helen Marulis. And, and we'll fill in the blanks beyond that. Tuesday, we're going to have Yanni Diakmahalis. Wednesday, Jakara Winchester. And uh, we'll spend kind of the weekend filling out the rest of the week. So if you have anybody you want to see on the show, let us know. Um, until then, David Bray, any, any no, advice? You know, I'm, I'm glad that uh, man, those are great guests that we have lined up. Both, yep. both Helen and Jakara were, uh, were, in, uh, were in Ottawa. Actually, Yanni was, too, the week before he wrestled in the Pan Am Championships. And yeah. so um, great to, it would be great to hear those perspectives. And I would love to hear what, uh, what you guys out there in the audience are, are interested in hearing more about. We, we, have, we have time. and <laughs> Lots uh, of time. Yeah, we'd, I mean, we'd love to know what you guys are interested in hearing, whether that's more guests or topics to cover or, or anything. We're, we're open to suggestions, and I'm um, glad you guys are checking it out. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. For Friday's show, for David Bray, I'm Mark Bader. We'll see you guys on Monday. Thanks.